Cloud and his team learn that if the world is significantly damaged, the Lifestream will gather in an attempt to heal the wound. They also learn that Sephiroth intends to use a powerful spell called Meteor to cause this injury, and then merge with the planet's energy, allowing him to be reborn as a god and rule over the planet. Eris sets off to stop Sephiroth on her own. Cloud and his team follow her to the northern continent, where they enter an ancient Cetra city. They find her praying to the planet for aid when someone they know swoops down. Dear planet, I'm having a really hard time at my new job. There's this jerk with spiky yellow hair. He doesn't say much, and half of the time he does talk, he starts scrubbing his head and spazzing, much like my little brother did when he put his fork in the electric socket. And I could really use a raise, and... <clears throat> oh, Sephiroth, there you are. I want to talk to you about your idea for hurting the planet, live stream, yada yada yada. What if... Yes? My, I never noticed before, but what long flowing hair you have. Oh, that. Well, yes, it is beautiful, isn't it? Uh, I mean, the better to captivate and hold your attention while I pull out my sword and... Oh, my, what glowing green eyes you have. Is that Mako eyeliner I see? What? No, I would never wear... I mean, the better to captivate and engage you in a longing gaze while I impale. Sorry to interrupt, Seffy, but I never noticed before just how long your sword is. Has it always been that long, or have you been using new sword enhancements? Cloud has this one that's so long, it holds eight slots with double growth, and... Enough of this prattle. This is why I don't have a girlfriend. Take that! What, what have you done? You monster! You will pay for this! Ah, she deserved it. All she ever did was nag, nag, nag. What an emo. This day you will die or my name's not Cloud. What? what's this? She's alive? Coming out of the water? How can this be? I stabbed her well and good. I even twisted it around for good measure. I... Wow, the water down there has way too much chlorine. It's good to be alive again. But how? Oh, I just cast Life 3 some time ago. That's a great spell. You should try it sometime. And while I was dead for a moment, our great Mother Earth gave me a message. Oh, really? What? Live from the Internet, it's RPG Backtrack! Baroque and Manichaenia take pride of place in our discussion today, along with some other game that no one is familiar with and seems to have been quickly forgotten. I'll try talking about Blue Breaker in the import corner, and then we answer your questions and give voices to all the people who called in. That's all this time on RPG Backtrack. Welcome, everyone, to RPG Backtrack, episode number 14. And I'm, my name is Philip Willis, and I'm here with my good friend, Mike... How do you say your last name again? Moki? Oh, my. Mikey? <laughs> Maluki? <laughs> Monkey. You know what? Let's just call me Jumason and have done with it, because we'll be trying to pronounce that name forever. Can we just call you Mike? What's up with the last names? My friend, Mike. Go, go, Mike. Mike Monk. Hey, it's a good name. I'll have you know that this name has gotten me through many a crisis in my life. I can't come up with any right now that I can describe to you, but it's happened. Do you even go to I college? 
two people talked at once, and I couldn't hear either. They were both hilarious. We also have with us coming... (laughs) (laughs) Bravely returning to RPG Backtrack, Mr. Tom Goodman. Or is it another Tom? (laughs) You got my last name wrong, too. What's your last name? (laughs) It's really easy. (laughs) I'm Goldman. Goldman, Goodman. Last name, so bleep that out. Bleep! (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I was told to put the last name by editor-in-chief, so I can't help you with that one. So you, you could have just left it at Goodman, and no one would have known your real last name, and everything would have been peachy keen. But I don't want to live a lie. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to make me be insubordinate. Sam Marcello. Everybody ready to go to the Honey Bee Inn? <laughs> oh. Why are you guys all uncomfortable about it? It's okay to go to a macho man club. And speaking of Macho Man, his first time to the newly revamped RPG backtrack, Mr. Glenn Wilson. Roar, Glenn Macho. Mr. Wilson, as is tradition here on the newly revamped, newly improved, squeaky clean RPG backtrack, we like to uh, introduce you to our audience and ask you a few questions. Which, uh, what do you do at RP Jack Backtrack? Uh, RPG Backtrack. <laughs> what do you do at RP Gamer? What's your handle? Yes. This is why Chris writes out his entire script and just reads the podcast each week, so he doesn't have to fumble over things like that. Uh, I've learned the uh, fine I art of bleeping things out. I haven't, I haven't reviewed a lot lately. Lately, I've been helping more. I was helping more with the features in January and February, but I have reviewed one game this year, and a second one, well, when I get back from Texas in a few weeks, I'll finish here and review that. So I guess I'm a reviewer. Ah, that was the, what you asked me, right? You flubbed it up and just per, kind of confused me. Pretty much. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background with, with RPGs and what brought you to RP Gamer. Mm, I came to RP Gamer because Castamel tricked me. How did he, he uh, trick you? I submitted a review to win a free video game for a contest RP Gamer did two years ago and uh, won the game, and then the powers that be liked the review I wrote. And then Castamel was like, come online, and we'll discuss about what it means to be a reviewer. And I showed up online, and then uh, Sean Cooper was there who interviewed and hired me. So I was showing up to a uh, what do reviewers have to do thing, and instead I was hired. Mm. And What and, game did you win? And I've been trapped here ever since, huh? Which game did you win? Wild Arms Crossfire. I haven't played it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have it with me. This is the second time I've traveled with it. I brought it to Texas with me. I'm stuck here for three weeks. I might play it at some point. So, this is the second time I've tried. We'll see what happens. And and did you find out like like I did when when I got put into reviews that the cake is a lie? I wasn't even promised cake. This was Sean Cooper. I mean, he promised nothing but misery the entire time I would be working for RP Gamer, and he was damn right. <laughs> You're such a liar. You did not work with Lucifer, sweetie. I did for a week. Boy. <laughs> you did? Oh, you, you you overlapped with them for a week? It was I your did. Worst he week, hired me, it? too. <laughs> Actually, no, he loved me. Did, did he, was he like, tell oh, you? she's a nice girl. Everyone else sucks. You're so good at, you know, doing your job, unlike that Ethan Piper and that stupid Oliver Montauk. And I was just like, wow, oh. I'm being praised and I've only been here a week. <laughs> You know, I conducted several interviews where I made fun of Oliver in them, too. That was always my example for, like, you have to be okay. You have to proofread your stuff first, unlike that stupid Oliver Montauk who never proofed anything he wrote, and it would make me proofread everything for him doing the first group. 
He had times where he wrote current columns, and I think it took me two hours to proofread them because they were so long and had so many errors in them. Ouch. Yeah, but he's gone. Good riddance. So tell us just a little bit uh, about your history with RPGs. What was your first RPG? What did you like about them? I was pulled in with uh, traditional Japanese RPGs, lovingly coddled in the arms of Square Soft back in the Super Nintendo days. And when the N64 stunk and I couldn't get a PlayStation 1, I moved to PC gaming and played real RPGs for the first time, like Fallout and Fallout 2 and Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and Planescape Torment. And then, unfortunately, PC gaming kind of died off, and I was forced to go back to consoles and play inferior Japanese RPGs for the last several years. (laughs) So, uh, Glenn, what is your favorite type of RPG? (laughs) I would say Western RPGs. Wow, that's a surprise. Yeah, the best one I played in the last few years was Fallout 3. And uh, I love the Shin Megami Tensei series, so Nocturne is another top game from last decade. Mm-hmm. And what is your favorite aspect of, of RPGs? Do you like the story better, the battle system? What, what draws you in the most? Well, Japanese RPGs don't usually have stories worth commenting on. They're usually ridiculous, don't make any sense, poorly translated fluff with a few cliches slapped together every single time. Maybe rearranged a little different to surprise you, but basically you know what's coming. So uh, no, for that it's just the battle system. For Western RPGs, where the interaction's a lot more different, it's kind of... I like the whole package. Like, uh, my favorite Western RPGs had solid stories, like Planescape Torment, but Fallout 3 was a lot of exploration, too. Like, Western RPGs are all the exploration is now. So I liked I liked the games Bethesda made. Uh, Oblivion and Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, and Fallout 3, where it actually feels like you're exploring a world instead of on rails for an entire game, like Japan likes to make you do. I'm also not biased as a reviewer. There are no biases here. Mainly because I don't get to review Western RPGs. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, what's your favorite RPG of all time? You list a lot of good ones, but which one's Torment. your favorite? Planescape Torment. Planescape Torment, a definite classic. I keep hoping one day they'll release that on GOG. I would love to have that just sitting on my memory. Oh, they haven't yet? No. They, they will one day. They, they, they've already they released so many other ones. They do. They do. And it's not like that they're still selling new copies of Planescape. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe it's a licensing thing. I haven't seen any Botters Gates or anything on, on GOG. It's a shame. All right. Well, let's move. Or, or even, oh, gosh, the Gold Box games. Those would be awesome. Anywho. Well, they still they still manage to sell new copies of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 packaged together, I think. So I wouldn't expect to see them, you know, for two bucks each on GOG. I think they're like, you know, the battle chests. I think they're like StarCraft and Diablo, that they can still sell them for a decent price in stores. I bet you they could, because GOG has two price points, one at 6 and one at 10. I think they could sell, you know, number one at 10 bucks and number two at 10 bucks, and I bet you they'd sell, I bet you they'd sell those two games for 20 bucks total, no problem, in a GOG format. Just my opinion. I think that'd be pretty cool to see. And why not? It's not like Interplay is rolling around in dough and pumping out lots of games nowadays. Right. Okay, well, with that being said, uh, let's uh, let's head on to... we got some excellent games to talk about today in our blast. Wait, wait, did you introduce... You didn't introduce Excuse everybody. Me. Who else haven't I introduced? Hello. Who? I'm here. Who's Charles. right? Charles? Oh, Charles. Yeah, you the one that lights up Oh, he's on, he's, he's on page two. Oh, there he is. Look at that. <laughs> Skype, Skype puts a second page of names. Hi, Charles. Hey. How does it feel to be forgotten? Nothing new. <laughs> Aww. 
Oh, don't worry, Charles. Remember, I forgot Sam on the first time she was on too, didn't I, Sam? I was very offended. That's right. See, I forgot Mike's last name and Tom's last name this time. <laughs> I mean, I'm really the only one you got right today. That's that's why I'm, he got me. That's surprising. That's that's what makes us such great hosts. We can never remember anybody's name. Charles, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your handle, what you do on RP Gamer? I think I'm a reviewer. I haven't really done that in a while. Um, mainly right now the problem is uh, I have a game to review. I don't have the system to review it with. That's my main problem. So instead I'm kind of doing more administrative stuff on the forums. Cool. I'm kind of a... Yes, I'm kind of a co-admin almost. I kind of help with moderators and everything, mostly run that. So why um, exactly haven't you taken over Paul's job and become sole forum admin? Because we can't seem to get the new um, forums up. I don't, I've don't. i tried them. Those things just don't work anymore. I don't know what's Whose going on. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is it that they're not up yet? I don't know. It seems to point, Fingers seem to point between um, a sort of Finger pointing contest between Chris, um, Chris and uh, Michael. That was a Freudian <laughs> slip. Hmm? <laughs> Nothing good <laughs> between Chris and Paul's. Is it their fault? No, it's um, not Paul. It's Chris and Michael. Oh, that's uh, good. Let's blame both of them. <laughs> well, it seems like one's developing a program, the other's not, and I'm not really sure what's going on anymore. All I know is I've actually checked out the new forms. They don't work at all. All Those the information's problems. there, but the passwords don't work. You can't really post. You can't edit things. Even the administrator status is pretty much useless. I'm not sure what's going on. So it's still sort of a big, we don't know when. It, it should happen one day, though. It will just kind of come out of the blue. <laughs> okay. Charles, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us how you came to RP Gamer? What, what brought you to our wonderful site and made you decide to some sort of insanity to join the team? Okay, um, I was, I just recently got on Final Fantasy at the time, back in, uh, I think, late 2005, um, and on Wikipedia it said there was going to be a Final Fantasy IV for the Game Boy Advance, and the news link that, you know, said that that was occurring was you guys, and so it linked me to the actual news thread, and I actually then, from there, kind of started poking around the site. The main thing that pulled me in was, um, uh, what was it, uh, the... Back when it still existed was the um question was the Q and A for um thread. I think at the time it was um, Matt. Uh, that was years ago, obviously. Yeah. And uh, that drew me, and I just started reading them from there. It was a uh, late 2006 year later that I actually got on the forums. Um, from there, I sort of started working my way around and slowly kind of started almost living on there. It was uh, almost this time last year that I actually joined the staff as a reviewer. I kind of all. I actually willingly joined because I also got into a contest. But it was an actual contest to become a reviewer. So unlike um, poor Glenn, I was not. Pricking. Yeah, you asked for it. Yep. And so, just like the cake, we we have revealed today that RP Gamer brings people in with a little white lie with some frosting on the top. <laughs> So we, used, we need to have a staff member who does nothing but link us in Wikipedia, if that's the way we get new readers. <laughs> nice. We have a content monkey now. He should go update Wikipedia's content and put RP Gamer links in it, and then more people will come. There you go. Uh, 
Charles, what uh, give us a uh, give us a brief overview of your gaming history? What what brought you to RPGs? What was your first RPG that you played? I'm kind of torn between what I consider my first RPG because, in all likelihood, it's Pokemon. Pokemon Yellow would be, but that was like uh, back in 2000. I was 10, so I didn't really know that there was this like actual genre called role play games. I just thought it was Pokemon. So um, Pokemon it is wasn't... its own genre. <laughs> millions of millions of people agree with you, Charles. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was a bit older that I started realizing this actual concept called roleplay games, but at the time I actually equated it more to like the MMO idea. I tried that out a little bit with them, some freebies back in the time. I think one was uh, Estonia 2. It was not bad, but it just wasn't really my thing, but I still wanted to find sort of an offline experience, and I'm, a friend of my brother's uh, introduced me to Dot Hack. That's what I actually considered the first time I said, oh, this is an RPG, I need to find more of these. And I but, bet it could only go uphill from there. Yeah, about to say. <laughs> it, yeah, it, um, it was not had infection, so I did beat the original um, quadrilogy, but I can understand why Adrian has not finished it. What, out of curiosity, what, what since you were just kind of new to the genre at the time, what was your impression of the series? Uh, Don Hack, I actually really liked it. Um, at the same time, they're airing the anime, so I watched that kind of together. And I thought it was really nice how there's this big series trans multiple um, trans multiple different media outlets and all these different characters. Um, this was back before I actually knew that voice acting quality was, so some things could kind of slip by. Um, I kind of like the aspect of just exploring, getting treasure, and just kind of progressively progressing whenever I kind of felt like it. Mm-hmm. What year was that? Uh, two th- late 2004, early 2005. Uh, no one really knew what good voice acting was then. You didn't. You yeah. didn't come from a bad context. Um. So, what would you say is your uh, favorite type of RPG? Do you like uh, action RPGs, traditional Japanese, Western? Um. Here's my little secret. I've actually never played a Western one. I'm almost at this point. I'm almost afraid to actually pick one and you know finally make that push into the genre because I hear like play this one, play this one, play this one, and I'm almost scared by this point. I keep saying, oh, I'll you know play a Western RPG in the summer. I'll play in the winter. I'll play one when we get to Mars. Um. So I end up just playing Japanese ones, but. I guess my main series would be a turn base, which is odd since I have no patience anymore. Well, we'll have we'll let you and Glenn have a little meeting after the podcast, and I'm sure Glenn will talk into one of those fabulous Western RPGs that are he's out already, there. Yeah. Uh, he's already given the sales pitch for Planetscape. <laughs> yeah. Although that's uh, that's that's a, that's a great starter RPG. There's nothing that introduces you to the genre quite like Planescape Torment, the 100,000 word novel that is a video game. Right. Uh, what's your What's your favorite RPG of all time, Charles? Final Fantasy VI. Cool. You're my best friend now. Yeah, you you get the most talking time on the podcast today. <laughs> that was the right answer. And that's and hey. Keep in mind, I didn't play until 2007 on the Game Boy Advance, so oh, I thought dang. it really lived up. Dang. Dang. I'm impressed, because I always thought I just was kind of looking at through rose-colored uh, glasses no. since I played it on the Super Nintendo when it first came out, and back then it was the absolute bomb. 
That actually was... Um, I was actually really scared to play Final Fantasy VI because I had been burned by Final Fantasy IV. Because, uh, as I said, I joined... You know, I got in through the Q&A thread. Um, Matt was a huge, huge fan of Final Fantasy IV. Um, and it, this was, of course, around the release of the Game Boy Advance port, so that was a major topic. And I was playing the Game Boy Advance, and it wasn't that good. And I was like, oh, it's, this affects the nostalgia. So when Final Fantasy VI came around, I was really worried if it would actually live up to the hype. I really do think it did, but that's my opinion. Well, you got to remember, Matt was also a Dragon Quest fan, and people who oh, are Dragon yeah, Quest fans right. usually, yeah, you get a little nervous when they start recommending games to you. I tried Dragon Quest Eight. It's a cute idea, cute world. I like the voice acting. I just can't stand playing it. That's why you <laughs> Everything play except slime. playing it. So if it wasn't a game, it would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> if it was a cartoon or a movie, it made it a much rocked. better, you know, painting with music. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I think that wraps up our rather lengthy introduction section. Let's let's head on to Blast from the Recent Past. our blast from the recent past section today is that for once we've actually got some people who played some of these games before so we we won't uh, just glaze over them and stick our fingers up our nose and move on so the first game is uh, that are that i mean and blast from the recent past for those of you who don't know we like to talk about games that came out at this time exactly two years ago kind of rehash some of those old reviews in case uh, people bought the games or stay in their backlog or maybe they they might see these games now in the discount section might want to pick them up if they're good ones I'm not sure if those uh, words exactly are descriptive of the games we have today, but let's find out. The first one on the list is Demi Kids, and I believe our very own Sam has given this one an absolute glowing review. <laughs> Sam, Sam, why don't we let you go ahead and just take the take this part of the show? Go ahead. Do I have to talk about this game? Y- yes, you do, young lady. Just pull up the review and read it. <laughs> can I can I go you know sob in a corner considering how. Absolutely if you do it for ten minutes, is- sob in the corner for ten minutes, and then say that's what the game was like. <laughs> now, now how, how can it be bad? It's got a four point zero from tribulations. I mean, come on now. Yes, and I'm sure that guy was smoking crack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me be blunt. I have, you know, I like my SMT. I mean, I've only really recently become a fan. So when I picked up this game, I bought it for about. That's been about ten bucks. I was like, "Ooh, you know, a Game Boy Advance SMT game, cool." Um, popped it in the slot and kind of wanted to put a gun to my head. I could not believe how incredibly dull this game was. And the so fact you wanted that I, was you wanted it to be more like Persona Three. Not that I wanted to be more like Persona Three, because um, you said you, you wanted know, to put a gun to your head. Oh, Glenn, I love you. <laughs> Continue. Uh, and if you, yeah, about to say, that's one of those jokes that only people on this podcast and who listen to this podcast would ever get. Hey, there are pictures. Um, to be honest, Demi Kids had a lot of interface issues. Like, it probably had one of the most atrocious menus I've ever dealt with in a game. 
um, just to find anything, you had to scroll through, like, so many pages. So you'd sit there and be like, okay, I just want to, you know, check the stats of this one demon. So you'd have to shuffle through a bunch of pages, bunch of pages, until you find said demon. And then if you wanted to add something to the demon, well, that was another three or four clicks of the menu to figure out what you need to do next. It was just, uh, it just drove me crazy. Um, the combat is also like a giant snooze fest. It's first person, like any other SM, for like some of the older SMT games, except for the part where um, your demons don't level up. And what you end up doing is you have to sacrifice your good demons that you're actually using to your guardian demon. So your guardian demon powers up while everybody else kind of, you know, is sacrificed and dead. Um, it was a really, really annoying gimmick that they put in that game, mostly because even though the demon, your guardian demon would level up, he was still pathetically weak. <laughs> like, there was no balance in this game. None. And that's what I think kind of just, it made me cringe and made me want to scream. Not to mention the story. Oh, the story. We're in grade six. We found a demon book. Oh, no, it's the world is going to end. I just, no, no more of this crap. I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. This I game just, actually I'm, sounds really awesome. Like, I, I was wish about to, would do that. I was about to say, like doesn't it sound like Devil Survivor to me? I mean, that yeah, sounds a great it's game. Like you, you capture new demons, or like you capture new Pokemon, and then like you feed it to Squirtle until Squirtle well, turns into a <laughs> Okay, I would love see, that. See, I guess my biggest problem with this game was that it really does suffer from an identity crisis. It doesn't know what it's trying to be. It doesn't know if it wants to be closer to Pokemon, or if it wants to be SMT. And this poses a real problem in the game, because um, on one hand, it's trying to pose this ultra-mature story with sixth graders. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, ooh, look at all the Pokemans. Look at all the things you can collect, except for the part where you really don't care about collecting the demons in this game. It's not like Pokemon, where you, you collect some Pokemon, and you're all like, yay, if I raise it to this level, it's going to evolve, and then I'm going to be so excited. Oh my god, Bulbasaur. Um, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I didn't care about demons in this game, because they don't evolve. They don't do anything. They attack for you, and they die for you. That's about it. And, you know, not to mention, I mean, your partner demon is so irritating. He's so, so irritating. It's like, I'll, I freaking will take magic carp over this stupid, you know, wolf thing. Uh, I just, I wish I had been playing Pokemon instead. Let's put it that way. <laughs> See, Why now you make you... me rage. <laughs> because I thought I'd be Are you a playing nice Pokemon now? Or is this like Demikids discard you and you want to go at least five years without playing a game like that again? It's not that it scarred me. I mean, this this is my rationale of playing Demi Kids. Oh, we don't have a staff review. Oh, you know, I have this in my collection. I might as well play it. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I'm you know what? We also it. don't have a staff review for Mega Man Zerka, Zerker X Ninja, and the reason why was no one would play it. <laughs> I think yeah. We, yeah. I think we even had a free copy of the game, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. It was given to me. There's shortage of uh, Mega Man Battle Network reviews, I think. And Mega uh, Man's course. I was given one. It was the only review copy I ever sent back and said I couldn't review it. Because uh, it wasn't really a one out of five. It was just a horrible game I never wanted to play. And it was giving me headaches. And I only, I couldn't play it for more than ten minutes at a time. So, yeah, anyway, that's what happens when you see games that aren't reviewed, like Demi Kids. Yeah, this is this was a headache case. I'm pretty sure, you know, my poor boyfriend, you know, he had to deal with me while I was playing with this game. And he's like, can you not throw your DS against the wall? I'm like, but I want to. He goes, 
how about not breaking it? I'm like, but the story and the game and everything, it's so stupid. And he was just like, okay, you need to come down. It's the DS or it's your head. That's what you tell him. Shuts him right up. Oh, God. I give great relationship advice, too. I'm sure you do, Glenn Wilson. I'm sure you do. I love you, too. Let's go into a different game that doesn't make me a rageaholic. No, can we keep talking about Demi-Kids? No. Yeah, you said it didn't scar you, and now you're like, it only turned me into a rageaholic, and I want to cry in the corner for ten minutes. Well, we could talk about the next game that's come out in the series, Demi Adults. I'm sure that's better. They're bigger, they're badder. They're... Oh, Phil, come on. If they're adults, does that mean they're like 17? Yeah, with spiky hair. <laughs> Demi Teens. The teens. old experienced man is 25, you know? Oh, God. Demi Old People, when you get to the fifth game in the series, they're all in the wheelchairs and stuff. Hey, well, 36. <sighs> Here's yeah, a well, that's when, that's when Alzheimer's <laughs> becomes a real status ailment. <laughs> well, so Miss uh, Sam seems to think that Demi Kids is a Baroque, so let's talk about Baroque for a little bit. <laughs> There's oh, a transition okay. for you. <laughs> Yay. I grew up. Your transition was Baroque. <laughs> <laughs> but your review of the game says it's not Baroque, despite some very negative reviews I saw from other people, so why don't you tell us why you think this is a good game? I enjoyed Baroque, but I enjoyed it in the kind of way that I've never recommended it to anybody and never will, because I don't think anyone, <laughs> I haven't known anyone who would like it. <laughs> it was a randomized dungeon crawler in real time, so kind of like a roguelike, but in real time, but it was kind of a slow real time, so it, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't like a fast action game. So you would enter a dungeon, and it would be randomized, and you'd generally enter empty-handed and hope that while walking through the dungeon, you would find items and find weapons that would enable you to survive. And usually, the randomization of it was good enough that you were usually given barely what you needed to survive, and it took a lot of thought and strategy on how to use the items. And they're like weird items, like you could eat rotten meat, and it would heal you. So if you're about to die, you'd want to eat some rotten meat, but it would permanently lower other stats. But then there were items that would heal rotten meat, so you would like collect an inventory full of rotten meat if that's all you were finding, and just pray that at some point in the dungeon you found the item that cleansed rotten meat. So like, there was a lot of... You, know, you get a small inventory as usual, so there was a lot of... I mean, I felt like it was one of the most strategic games I've ever played in an RPG, one of the most strategic RPGs I've ever played. Just the way that I had to constantly think about how to use items and... uh how to survive through the dungeon. And the story was insane. The story was, uh, like, the world's been torn apart, so everything's crazy, and you don't really know who you are, and you don't really know what you're doing, and the opening of the game is an angel gives you a gun and tells you to go into a tower and kill God. So at the very beginning, there's kind of weird religious side to it where an angel is telling you to shoot God right at the start. Nice. Um, and, and that... And that's good to hear because I know I, I've had some experience with a number of roguelikes, and I I definitely can tell you that the most important feature I think is is that the is that the randomization tables are are, are balanced. Yeah, and that's why I mean it's tough because I think different people have different spots on that continuum where they're okay. Like I recently played to review and then haven't reviewed yet because I didn't have time. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon a few months back, and my problem with that was it was way too easy. It just it gave there was no punishment for dying. You didn't lose anything. You didn't like go back to level one, and it gave you a whole party of Pokemon to go in the dungeon with. It was way too easy. And now I'm playing Sheeran the Wanderer for Wii, Sheeran three, and I'm having the opposite problem where it's it's impossible. You can't go into a dungeon and live off the items because it doesn't give you enough items. And even people I've seen who like the game 
talk about how, like, go into a dungeon, if you don't find a shield in the first five floors, reset, then re-enter the dungeon, if you don't find a revival herb in the first three four floors, reset. I'm actually quoting uh, RPG fans' review a little bit, because I read that a couple weeks ago. So Patrick Gann loved it a lot, but uh, I just, I thought that balance was really off. That's not what I want to do with the game. And to get back to Baroque, Baroque wasn't like that. I mean, Baroque, you always felt like you had a fighting chance, but you had to really think outside the box. And there's a steep, crazy learning curve. I mean, the first five hours of that game are probably, are just, are brutal. I mean, they're not, they're not fun. But for me, it pulled me through because the atmosphere was so crazy and the story was so crazy and the game world was just so bizarre and kind of like gross and weird that I wanted to keep playing. And then eventually it got fun and I kept playing because I was having fun. And uh, I still consider it, my, it's my second favorite game, second favorite current gen game. Uh, Fallout 3 is my favorite and Baroque is my next. And because I knew it wasn't for everyone, I didn't, you know, when I reviewed it, I didn't give it a 5 out of 5. I gave it like a 4 out of 5 and said this game's not for everyone. You know, no, I, I think that's fair enough and 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 uh, I think there will be a few people out there who hopefully listen to this somewhere. Yeah, listen yeah, I enjoy it. I'm, that sh- would, I'm know, sure it's really cheap now. I mean, I can't, I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine they're still selling them for 40 bucks each. No offense, Atlas, but uh, it's a... Uh, I'm sure it's cheap now. I mean, I feel like it'd be worth a try, but you've got to put in at least five or six hours to get into it. Like, the tutorial is hidden. The first time I played the game, I never found the tutorial. It was, it was hidden somewhere. And uh, you have to kind of get used to the fact that if you beat the dungeon, you get kicked outside, level one, no inventory. If you die in the dungeon, you get kicked outside, level one, no inventory. So it's kind of a weird feeling where dying and winning bring you the same result. And the idea is that by entering the dungeon over and over and over, you'll eventually hit certain key events that unlock certain parts of the plot, and that's how you progress in the game. It isn't really by anything you actually do, like, gameplay-wise in the dungeon in terms of crawling and living. Well, uh, you can you can find the game on uh, Amazon for $18 and a couple of pennies. It's uh, running at on half.com for about $10 plus uh, 3 or 4 for shipping, so... Yeah, you can get it. You can get it for under twenty nowadays. I mean, I think it's worth a try. Just you know, you have to have the right mindset and the right stomach for that kind of game. I mean, it's it's not an entry level game, and it's not a normal RPG. So, any other questions about Baroque before we move on? <laughs> yes, give me hordes of questions. Other people on the backtrack. Uh, how can? Is there anything that? Uh announce to you this is a Sting game or does it just stand away from all their other output? It's nothing like the other ones. I mean, it was a port of a remake. I mean, it was originally a Saturn game, so Sting made this before Riviera. So, I mean, it's it's old. I mean, it was made in the mid to late 90s. And no, it's nothing. I mean, the only thing it has in common is it's very different. You know, like Riviera, uh, I'm playing now on PSP. Uh, you know, it's very, it's, you know, there's some different weird things in that. Like, you can use fruit a lot, and then eventually you learn, like, a super fruit attack. So, like, in the game, I just did, like, the ultimate banana combo attack. You know, it's just, like, weird stuff like that. So, like, you know, Idra Union and Riviera, and especially Knights of the Nightmare, are all really unique games. In that sense, Broke is a very different, weird, unique game. Very original game. Other than that, it shares nothing in common with anything else Sting has done. Oh, okay. besides this, being awesome. This brood <laughs> attack was in Baroque or in Riviera? Riviera. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, they must have added that to the PSP. I don't remember that from the GBA. Do you know, you can, like, you can use, like, apricots, and then after you eventually learn the... 
the move you, you use that uses up the bar, the special attack, and it'll be like an apricot death spiral that automatically kills an enemy but destroys the item in the process. It was in the GBA version. You just you had to use oh. a practice move to use it up. Yeah, I guess I just never used the fruit as a weapon since I... <laughs> well, it, like, the inventory space is so limited in that game, it gets to be yeah. an issue. Okie dokie. Uh, I think we're ready to move on to the last of our trio of blasts from the recent past games. Uh, this one is... Next last one is Mana... I don't know how you say this. Mana, Mana Kenya, Kenya. Alchemist Chemical. of Al Revis or something. <laughs> now that I butchered it, does any has anyone did anyone actually play this game? I did. Uh, I had the joy of playing the port. If oh, oh, the yes. PSP port. Yes, actually, that was my first staff review. Ooh, it I'm got a sorry. magical one point five out of five. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and you're still and you're still working at RP Gamer after they tortured you with that. Man, um, that's rough. At least my first game was Order of Ecclesia. I mean, you know, it made me feel good about myself. And actually, this game also won last year's, um, well, this 2009's, you know, worst of award almost for the site. So it's not exactly a special title, but don't let the review or that kind of misguide you. There was a previous review for the actual PS2 version, which I think we're talking about here. Yeah. That was actually a bit of a higher score, and I can explain why. The actual core of the game doesn't have too many flaws. The majority of the game, however, does kind of suffer from a general mediocrity. This is a Gus game. It kind of knows its target audience. It's not exactly going to bring a lot of people new to the table. It's Japanese cliches galore. And so what you're cool. saying is that Gus targets consumers who want mediocre games. No, it's not that. <laughs> um, it targets an audience that wants sort of... They want alchemy, you know, a lot of item collection and fusion, um, a, more ro- a very sort of robust but simple combat system, a lot of exploration to find said items, and very, very quirky characters that are straight out of Japan. Um, the setting for this one is, instead of being an alchemist in the world like the usual... Um, Alchemist series for Atelier Annie. No, Atelier. Um, the Atelier series, you know, just you're the alchemist in the world. Instead, you're the alchemist. You're, this is sort of, let's take the alchemist and now put them back in school and see what they did. Um, and the Monokamiya series then takes you through the life of these mystical, magical alchemist students. And they're all really screwed up. In terms of gameplay, is it kind of like the Atelier Ira series in that? The battles really stink. The only reason why you play the game is for the alchemy and the character interactions and kind no, of reading actually, along and laughing. No, actually, Monokamiya, I think, changed up the battle gameplay a little bit. Um, it's, uh, it is a turn-based system, but it's a bit of a more fast-paced since moves, every move, every action is sort of, you know, timed and spaced. Um, attacking certain enemies, you can delay them, they can delay you. It's kind of a battle of attrition sometimes as well as overpowering the enemy before they can kill you all. It's actually not too bad. Um, the story also is very kind of broken up in sort of a day-by-day basis. Uh, let's see. Basically, what um, you go through is you play as the central character and you can kind of date one particular character through your free time. And you have to sort of 
figure out who are you going to um, choose because there's different sort of advantages. In fact, if you choose no one and play the um, social um, inept student, you get to be, well, you don't get the good ending. Let's just put it that way. Um, by the end of the game, it is kind of just, you know, cliches, let's go save the world kind of thing. And um, kind of falls back on nor- the normal cards of sort of, here's what's kind of the tradition. Let's just not really mess with that. So the game is sort of just very average. So, uh, still on pace with the Tell You Iris series, then? That was the thing I was going to ask yeah. you, is did you think it was better or worse than the Iris? I haven't actually played the Iris games, just kind of looked up a little bit about them. Um, okay. Let's see, I, I would just say it's it's an overall, you know, average series, and I that's what my general kind of feel of the game series is. It's, you know, if you're a fan of any one of them, they're definitely worth kind of investing into. Some with different quirks, others not quite. Um, for this particular one, this is a very solid one. Um, from what I can tell from the <coughs> sequel, it might be the better one to go with because the sequel's localization was not quite as solid. The surprising thing is they did actually get some pretty decent voice actors for the dub, so it's not quite so cringeworthy. There are some flops here and there, but... It's only mildly cringeworthy. That's There's the a couple of very... Uh, well, there's a couple of um, lines and a couple of characters that just sound real off. Um, I mean, one of them has a Brooklyn kind of Brooklyn accent for no real explained reason, um, except he like has sort of a, I guess a sort of a Yankee kind of name. I what was it? Uh, I don't know. Is the other another character sounds like a really really bad superhero? I mean, that is his characterization. So, well, he was awesome. What? He was awesome. His, I think his name was uh, was it Flynn? Yeah, Flynn. Yeah. What, Sam? You played it too? I didn't play a lot of it because I found the skill tree aspect of it very uh, annoying. So you hate? Yes, it. that is the one thing. Um, <laughs> a word of short advice: Yeah, the guy. The game is almost unplayable if you don't know what you're doing. That is the it, major, major, major so flaw. So therefore, Sam, this game is worse than Demi Kids, which was good enough to finish. <laughs> I'd like to actually go back to this one. <laughs> this is a one that guide is a guide is necessary because well, it is kind of like um you know the whole skill it is a skill progression tree, but to unlock the next level, you can you know the next stat you can upgrade. You need to make that item in alchemic um, fusion. The problem is you don't always know what recipes are to make and where to find the items. So you can really cripple your team real fast if you're not really keeping pace with what the game says you should be doing, and they don't really give much of a heads up on that. Um, for the PSP version that's out, the reason for the 1.5 instead of being average is due to the most atrocious load times I ever thought possible. It's so terrible you had to make up a word to describe it. I probably should like have kept account of how many times I actually saw the low screen. I would probably have about a hundred times in about the fifty hours I played. I'd imagine about five hours of my fifty hours was actually just looking at low screen. It it felt like that. Because the game has frequent loading, but the game was not meant to have each loading screen take thirty seconds. So, I mean, I just kind of... In fact, there was occasions where it 
load a loading screen to load another loading screen. Nice. And at that point, I nearly just wanted to throw the PSP across the room. Did you? So this? No. Good. <laughs> it's not my PSP. <laughs> so the blast from the past brought us one game so bad it makes you want to cry in a corner. Another game that's worse than that because Sam couldn't even finish it, and then Baroque hey. no in the world but me likes. <laughs> that's hey. awesome. This was not a good day in gaming history. Obviously, no. two years ago at this time, things were just not right. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the the past just is as pretty as we like to think it was. And the oh, present brought us Final Fantasy Thirteen, which is also bad. Uh oh. No. Speaking we're... of on rails, boring JRPGs with terrible plots. What yeah. about that, Thank Tom? You. I haven't no. played it yet. <laughs> what about that? No, 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 guys. We, we, got, no, we shouldn't be talking about things that are just out. This is that's back- right. Backtrack. Take that. Take that garbage to RPG Cast or whatever it's called. So. <laughs> I'm sure. Let Chris chew on that and spit it back out. Yeah. Or let Chris chew on it for a long, long time and then finally say, oh, you want to say something else? Oh, I thought you were going to say choke and die, and I was going to say that's mean. You shouldn't say that about Chris. No. I could, but I won't. He doesn't listen to the backtrack. We're good. Uh, yep. <laughs> he doesn't even listen to his own podcast. Oh, boy. This is true. He doesn't. And his homepage is set to the latest form thread for the podcast. That's the only page in RP Gamer he reads. Yeah, it's pretty much true. Well, uh, we're moving on. In case, uh, in case you didn't figure out by our by our poorly voice acted intro, speaking of bad voice acting, uh, what game we're going to be talking about for our main attraction today? Just listen to this, and hopefully, you'll get an idea. We'll be back in a minute. This is Jeopardy! Our returning champion, Mr. Ken Jennings, has won 74 times and is trying for his 75th victory today. Alright, contestants, the category is 1997, and the answers are on the board. Well, well, I'll start slow with the $1,000 choice. And the answer is... Kurt Russell broke out of being typecast in Disney roles with this movie set in the far-off year of 1997. Oh, oh, what is Escape from New York? That is correct, and Mr. Jennings is on the board. Oh, I don't want to go for the hard stuff yet. I'll take the $2,000 answer. All right, for $2,000. This star of such regaled movies as It's a Wonderful Life, Rear Window, and The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance died that year. Uh, who is Robert Mitchell? Oh, no, 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 no. I-, I mean, who is James Stewart? Well, you did come up with the correct answer before you finished ringing in. That's acceptable. You're on the board with $3,000. Uh, I'll keep going. 1997 for 4000 All right, for $4,000. The answer is... Brought on trial the year before, this man was convicted of bombing the Oklahoma City Federal Building. Richard Jewell? No, no. Uh, Keanu Reeves? Way off there. Oh, who is Timothy McVeigh? Your memory for things 1997 seemed to be slipping a little there, but we'll accept it. In commemoration of your 75th appearance on the show, this category has a reward amount we've never used before, and it seems to be the only one left. You're right, and I'm up for that $64,000 question. 
And the answer in the category 1997 is... This is the name of the RPG released on Sony's PlayStation console that sold millions of copies and gave the genre mass appeal worldwide. So, Ken, what did you answer? Hmm. Wild Arms? No, that's crossed out. You crossed out Revelations Persona. You crossed out Vandal Hearts. You crossed out Beyond the Beyond. I just blinked. I don't remember this game you're talking about. I'm sorry, Mr. Jennings. The answer was Final Fantasy VII. Since you couldn't remember a thing about it, you're going to get an earful now. And yes, we're going to talk, be talking today about the little-known title called Final Fantasy VII. Woohoo! So, Final Fantasy VII uh, originally released in 1997 um, on the PlayStation One. Uh, was probably, I think, it is the most highest-selling Final Fantasy game ever. 9.8 million copies worldwide, give or take a few. Um, so, who wants to start off this conversation about Final Fantasy VII? How about Mr. Glenn? Why don't you tell us? About your what? first experiences with Final Fantasy set. All right, Sam. Sam, you tell <laughs> no. us. No, I heard a little Go squeak. <laughs> no. She gasped when you she, dare say she, me first. She Go gasped. Ahead, Sam. It's Sam. Sam, tell us about tell us about your first encounter with Final Fantasy VII. Did you get it when it first came out on the PlayStation One, or did you play it later on down the road? What were your thoughts of the game? Share. I got it with my PlayStation. Um, pretty much how I ended up getting it was I. Had no more Super Nintendo games. My parents finally bought me a PlayStation for my birthday, and that was the first game I got uh, with it. Funny enough, I didn't play it first because I got Lunar and decided that Lunar was a better game. Um, Final Fantasy VII and I have a very hit-and-miss relationship in that there are things I, I really like about it, and then there are things I absolutely want to you know, destroy about it. I, I hate it in some ways. Um, I've played the game three times. The first time I played it, I loved it, you know. It wasn't my favorite Final Fantasy. Probably didn't even crack the top three, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Second time around, okay, yeah, it was still fun. Third time, I was like, why did I like this game? And that's not did a good sign. Did you think sign. the graphics were beautiful the first time you played it? No. No, I kind of didn't like the whole big head, small arm syndrome. It really, <laughs> really... were huge. They weren't just small <laughs> arms. They were, like, bulgy arms. I really... sent at weird places. So you mean the characters having absolutely nothing aside from the bone and the skin on their arms didn't bother you? Or did it? Uh, oh, I, I just... I thought it was hideous. I thought they were all just children of Popeye or something. <laughs> yeah. Like... There's I, no speech in the game, though. Oh, come on. Some of the poly the polygons... I mean, like... like Barrett. Barrett was one of, like, the sad cases where he just looked <laughs> this, like this giant blob and you're just like, oh, you poor soul. That's what all... Hey! Oh, oh. <laughs> I see, heard some that's getting bleeped out. Glenn Wilson, behave! <laughs> behave! That word is not my vocabulary, girlfriend. Oh, God. <laughs> Gotta write that down. Minute 45, seven <laughs> seconds. Bleep. So, 
So, so go ahead, Sam, continue. <laughs> no, now I can't, because I can't stop thinking about what you just said. Welcome to the politically incorrect edition of RPG Backtrack. Oh, man, I think they've named about half the podcast RPG casts I've been on have had a reference to being politically correct in the title because I was on them. And if you get me and Kiro in the same podcast, it's over. Well, luckily he's gone. So that can't yeah, and I don't do the podcast thing much anymore. Yeah. It was a good two weeks. <laughs> so does Barrett just have a big cement block for a hand, or am I not seeing something? It's supposed mm. to be a Gatling gun. Oh. I mean, couldn't you tell that? I mean, couldn't you tell that? I mean, each character has at least ten polygons in them. <laughs> Come on, man. And is Cloud really shorter than Tifa without the hair? I think he might be. No, wait, uh, he's 5A, I think. Like, Tifa's 5, five let, me, let me consult my official strategy guide. Well, according, according <laughs> to something I read, probably on Wikipedia or something, I remember them saying that the designers felt felt like the, the system was pretty limiting. Originally, Cloud had black uh, hair that was supposed to kind of uh, contrast with Sephiroth's, but yeah, it just didn't really work with, uh, you know, all of ten polygons to work with, so they figured a big triangle and call it, big yellow triangle work better. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made Zach who had black hair. Yeah, well, I think... Actually, um, Angel's pretty much the discard cloud idea, if that gives you an idea what we're supposed to end up with originally. Actually, it wasn't the best-looking character in that game, Kate Sith. I mean, um... Totally! <laughs> I love Kate Sith, okay? No one's allowed to Ugh. diss Kate Sith while I'm around. Does anyone know how to pronounce that name right? Are we going to butcher Tashi. it the whole time? We're going to keep butchering it, butch- okay? I, I just want you to know that... I just want you to know that I have a little bit of an issue with correcting since Chris corrects me all the time when I'm on RPG cast. So here, free butchering allowed. Everyone butcher. Okay. So if I say it right, I'm not okay. correcting you. I'm just being correct. Just Precisely. Like, how do you pronounce so it? You. Kashi. Kashi? It's, like the food? It, mm. No, it's like, <laughs> it, it's Gaelic, so it's really weird pronunciation ultimately, but that's the closest I can get to it. So it's like Kachi? Kind of. Kachi. Why, why did, no, oh, it's very strange, I think. It's, strange. It's, the localization. No, no, no. That's why. No, that's the actual spelling. Yes. Right, but they could have butchered it for us so we knew how to say it right. I mean, we don't all read Gaelic every day. That's actually really weird that they got that right when they got some other stuff wrong. I don't really... It was definitely sort of a um, Cerberus kind of translation. Their heads were not talking. I thought you were making a dirge of Cerberus reference. (laughs) Oh, God, that'd be worse. (laughs) I was going to say, I haven't played Dirge of Cerberus, so that one went over my head. Uh, No, but... um. Okay, we mentioned Barrett and and Barrett and Sid have this funny way of talking that really makes them sound right out of Mad Magazine. Because last time I checked, throwing a whole bunch of percent signs, dollar signs, ampersands, and exclamation points at people doesn't make much sense if you try to speak it. Well, that's actually I think part of the translation. Yeah, and I was I was thinking to myself while I was seeing that I was thinking, gosh, if they did Grand Theft Auto Four this way, there would be no words at all. (laughs) (laughs) Just be a bunch of symbols. Here's my kind of take on it is, um, I mean, I played all the Final Fantasy, and a lot of other people played a lot of them. That, that's pretty much the only one that has all these, you know, random cursing or implied cursing. So I'm pretty sure that was just Sony being, you know, oh, we need to make this look hardcore. It's I don't edgy. think they actually talk like that. 
I mean, they might have been rude in the original Japanese version, but I don't think they had random asterisks um, and at symbols all flying around in their language. Somehow, I think you're right. It was excessive. <laughs> Just a little. Well, considering, I mean, that was, you know, that was kind of a little surprise for me, because considering you dealt with a number of adult themes like suicide and stuff, you figure a couple of, you know, four-letter words here and there probably wouldn't have changed its rating, you would think. Well, it was, um, it, honestly, they had actually put all this, you know, words they imply they were using. It might have bumped it up to M, M. Who knows? Mm. They probably wanted to avoid that. I don't know. Are you allowed to swear on a T rating? You're allowed to, but, I mean, you, you, you know, they use, occasionally, I mean, sit down and drink your exclamation tea. Like these what, what minute is that at? More bleeps. Gosh, no. <laughs> I've got to put some ampersands in when I edit this thing out, man. Got to put an ampersand. When you just said that, I'm just going to go through with my own voice. Actually, I'll use my Arius voice and I'll go, ampersand! <laughs> Exclamation! <laughs> tic tac toe sign! So, is that your Arius voice? Yeah, that's. <laughs> Yeah, that was the heiress voice we used at the beginning of the podcast. You missed, uh, you might have missed the skit out on the skit there. Well, and the earthbound mom. Strange Journey had cursing in it and got an M rating. I think mostly because of the cursing. Mm. Yeah, I. That's kind of the thing with um, if they really did actually re- release it with voice acting. They probably would definitely have to change that out of the script because I don't think they're just going to have the um, a censor sound every couple of seconds when Sid and um, Barrett start talking. Well, when Barrett got voice acting in Advent Children, he didn't exactly swear up a storm. No, he didn't. I, I mean, it, this was the trans. This was the localization. I don't think that's in the script at all. So, just take it for face value. Yeah. I mean, he was all, you know, I pity the fool that messed with Cloud. He my boy, yo. He didn't curse in Advent Children. Yeah. Nobody wants to have Cloud Let's as talk their about boy. The translation. Uh, there's so much else to say about what Sony did, isn't there? Yes, and actually that is an interesting comment. I actually realized this just a week ago was um, the whole, you know, Eris versus Aerith debate. Square has never once in their life said Eris. It, they've only said Aerith. Sony is the one that said Eris. Eris. Unfortunately, the name's hard to pronounce. Eris is definitely easier to say for us. <laughs> And and for those of you new to the show, in case you're wondering in the back of your heads, um, and when it comes to spoilers, we absolutely, positively encourage them. In fact, we require them. You know, so what was really irritating to me actually was that was around the time when I was first getting on the internet, and I was looking at the screenshots of the game before it came out, Japanese screenshots, and somewhere I read she died. So the entire first playthrough of the game, knowing she was going to kick the bucket, I didn't give her squat. She got no materia, no upgraded weapons. I didn't put her in my party if I wasn't forced to. Nothing for her. Hey, let's put this way. I, played... I thought she was terrible. I didn't use her. Her super game... healing? What? I don't want healing. Oh, no, I, I... kill things. <laughs> I actually got her final. Um, I actually got used her final um, limit break twice in my four playthroughs, so I've used her. She's actually really good. I like her. I kept her out of my party because I knew she was going to die. <laughs> okay, like, I don't want to use her. Oh, hey, let's quick, quick, this, uh, yeah, quick pull down the line. How many of y'all knew she was going to die before your first playthrough? I didn't. Not me. I didn't. Okay, let's start from the top. Charles? 
Um, I did. I was 2005. How could you not know she died? Ah, uh, Glenn? I did not. Ah, uh, Mike? Uh, I just played it, so I knew. This <laughs> 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 year, how can you not know that Eris dies? Sam? I didn't. I didn't know. Tom? I played it when it came out, I think, so no, I had, I didn't know. I don't think the internet even existed then, or computers. It, it, actually, they did. Um, I actually looked through our oh. own archives. We actually have information on Seven, and it was talking about her death before it came out in English. Yeah, that's I, I, just, I remember I was on the internet. I was probably on my whopping 14K modem at the time. Yeah, Tom, just because you couldn't <laughs> I was afford being the internet silly. in 1996... <laughs> no, I was just being silly. I had the 28.8 modem or whatever, or the 4400 baud. Man, I remember I the all, first time. I, was I, all up in that. I remember the first time I updated, uh, upgraded to 28k. Man, how awesome that was! Yeah, and the but dial yeah, tones when you get on. But yeah, there's bulletin actual, board uh, services. Did did any Charles, felt- Do you even Charles? Have you ever experienced that? Or are you too young? I'm thankfully too young. <laughs> computers that beep whenever you try to connect to the internet to make irritating oh, no, noises. Oh, no, no, I did have to deal with those. Yeah, I'm, I know what that is. I regret that time period. I was, I'm glad I was short-lived. Mm. Um, did any of y'all play it on the PC? Glinded. Glinded? <laughs> is that Glinded? What do you know? <laughs> the third person. Yeah. Glenn just referred to I have no trouble telling when it's me talking or someone else. So, yeah, I know. If I said I did, you'd be like, who said that? No, I played on the PC. I never had a PlayStation. So, uh, was your computer uh, was your computer up to the uh, specifications, or did it kind of go slow when you were doing those summonings and stuff? Of course, computer, those always went slow, anyways. Uh, but you know, the computer did not like it. I mean, I still have never played the PlayStation version, so I can't really compare. But no, I mean, it crashed a lot. The sound was the biggest problem. It would slow down a lot, but the sound would freeze sometimes and then never fix. So I played most of Final Fantasy VII the first time muted, listening to music in the background, because the, the oh, sound was so perfect. botched. And uh, a couple years later, my father got a computer, which was you know obviously newer than the one I had before. So I, I replayed it in 2000 on the newer computer, and it ran like a dream, and it sounded great. So, yeah, and that's the I last really time I played. Like soundtrack. Well, and yeah, and you know, I had the computer and the PlayStation back in the day, but you, generally speaking, I tried to avoid... Uh, ports for for reason like that. There was all kinds of compatibility issues. I mean, we kind of complain today when we have the occasional uh, port problem or a, a port wasn't done quite right or something like that. But it was nothing compared to back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the instruction manual for PC made a big deal about the sound, and like it came with a special sound driver that would make the game sound really good on your PC. The problem was that my PC didn't run it right, so I could either choose between horrible sounding. MIDI music that was terrible, or I could do the like super upgraded came with the game driver sound, but then it would freeze, you know, maybe nice. every twenty minutes. So I was kind of or stutter. Sweet. So, so did you play it, uh, Glenn, when it first came out on the PC? I think that was like a yeah. year later or so. Yeah, I played it. Uh, well, I didn't get a PC until '98, and it was one of the first PC games I got. But it was right about when it came out. Ah, so. Crashing issues aside, what did you think of the game? I liked it. I thought it was a good game. I mean, I thought the graphics were a little wonky, and I had a serious issue with the summons, which I thought were you know ridiculously long, and anyone with common sense knew they should be skippable. But other than that, I liked it. I mean, I thought the first time I played it, the plot completely lost me. 
I don't know if I was just too stupid or if I didn't pay attention right or, or what. Or maybe it's because I had it muted and I didn't appreciate the sound. But uh, I didn't get the plot at all the first time. This, when I replayed it a couple years later, then I understood the plot. I don't know, maybe my focus was better. But the, the only issue I had with it the first time I played through was the, the music. I still think the Materia system is great. I, it's one of my favorite like leveling uh, character growth systems in any Final Fantasy. I really like the Materia system. I like the way that Materia were hidden in different places in the game that encouraged you to explore more than most of the Final Fantasies do. So it had a lot of things I liked a lot about it in terms of gameplay. My main issues with it were more about interaction and presentation and terrible localizations. Yeah. Mike, Mike what did you think of the battle system? <clears throat> of the battle system... Well, it's pretty much the same battle system as you got in 4, 5, and 6, except that now you get three people instead of four, which I don't really see the need for, but whatever. Yeah, battles move fairly quick, and aside from... There's one thing about the summonings, aside from them taking too long, that just bugs me, which is that once a summoning has started, even if somebody else is ready to go, you can't do anything with that person. You have to sit there and wait for the animation to play out before you can finally do something else. That bugs me. But for the most part, it's the same active time battles that we got used to in earlier Final Fantasies, and it works just as well as it always did. And what you think of the material? And I ask you because I know you just recently played it, so you, I was thinking you might have a, a contrasting point of view. But what do you think about the uh, materia system, the growth system? It's not flooring me, but it's it works pretty well. Um, I will say that... It would have been nice to have some means of checking people not in your party for what materia they might they currently have. Actually, there is. It. <clears throat> it's um, it's not explained. There's no tutorial for you know the finer points, but there's sort of a function we can exchange. You can um, trade complete sectors and everything. It's actually pretty easy. It just never really says, "Oh, here's a convenient way to organize your materia." It's like a hidden IQ test, and you failed it. <laughs> oh, dang. Well, not the first time. Yeah, if you go to arrange and stuff, uh, it's in there. Yeah. Did, the did arrange get... part. Well, then me switching people out one at a time, de-equipping them of all their materia, and then going through it again was a waste of time. That's so yes. happy. I'm, I'm so ecstatic now. I'm going to go jump out the window and frolic in the rain all night. <laughs> no, don't do that. And, and you should it, tear and, your clothes off first like a flower child in the rain. Did, did you don't be... Say, hey, Glenn, you remember what day this is, don't you? Tuesday? April 20th. <laughs> the, the day that all the people in California run out in the nude in the rain? <laughs> oh, April Close 20th enough? is. <laughs> no, it's both Hitler's birthday and it's International Pot Day. Oh, that's not a test. I'm okay with failing. Well, you be that way then. I don't get a new calendar, and first thing I do is circle my birthday, Hitler's birthday, and Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that you didn't know this was Hitler's 121st birthday until now? N that is the truth. But I haven't turned on the TV in a while, and ESPN ah. didn't cover it. Okay, I'm gonna change. We're not. We're not gonna call this one the the, the RPG Hitler cast. Um, Sam, what did you think of the battle system? Rescue us, Sam! Rescue! God, you guys are sad if you're asking me to rescue you. <laughs> um, what did I think of the materia system? Um, I liked it actually a lot. 
Um, I like the fact that the materia, you know, after a certain point, they start breeding, and you get more of them. Um, I always like the fact that, um, you know, outside of the materia system, I actually always like the limit breaks. I always thought they were kind of fun. Um, I mean, I particularly love Sid's entire set of limit breaks that he gets, particularly the one where the high wind comes out, and it just kind of pummels everything for you. I I don't know. I always thought that that was kind of fun. Um, what else? Also, one limit break, though, I can say I didn't like the, was the Vincent set. I don't like the fact that I don't control him. <laughs> kind of he becomes crazy. marginally better, and in return you can't control him? <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, not to mention, you know, as a small child, the whole Hellraiser one kind of freaked me out a little bit. The man <laughs> with, the, uh, with the chainsaw. <laughs> I was not a fan of that. Maybe that's just my inner girly girl talking. I don't know. Um, I think you're inner and outer. I think you're all girly girl. When you hide. That's, a, com- that's when you, a compliment. When you got the uh, When you got this on your PlayStation back in the day... Uh, Sam, did you feel that the did, were you were you blown away with the summoning graphics the first time around? No, um, but I was also very impatient. <laughs> so when they would so when they would play, I'd be like, "Is it over yet? Is it over yet? Can I do something else yet?" So yeah. no, I was not a fan. Um, I don't know what it was about the fact that they felt the need to make those summons so long. I mean. At least in Final Fantasy VIII, you could skip them, right? I didn't not make no. them. No, you can't. No, no. Final Fantasy VIII gave you a boring mini game to play yeah. during them. It would make <laughs> right. them more Press the X button real fast, type of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, but only while something's on the screen. When it disappears, yeah. if you press X again, it resets. Yeah, you're screwed. Okay, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I blacked both of those out of my mind <laughs> for good reason. Blocking out Final Fantasy VIII completely is a good idea. Um. <laughs> Well, we know who we're not inviting to the next show. Um, Tom, <laughs> Tom, are you Hello? there? Yeah. What did you oh, think hi. about the? <laughs> what did you think about the battle system and the uh, and the animations for the summons? Uh, well, the weird thing about me and Final Fantasy VII is uh, I played it when it came out, so I actually didn't remember anything about the game. Like I went back and played it now, and I was like, I don't remember any of this stuff, but I did remember the battle system. The battle system's alright. I think I prefer the uh, equipping espers and whatnot in, in Final Fantasy VI. But it was alright. I, I think the thing that bothered me is I'm kind of a like a OCD kind of gamer in a way. So like if, if I had to leave some of my materia in my, you know, pack, and I couldn't, it couldn't be leveling up, that would like really bother me. So I liked it. It, I, well, I don't. It wasn't as good as like sixes or anything, but better than eights, definitely. Well, you saw the the summons for you know the first time. Did they blow you away or anything? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were really cool, and um. You know, as far as my gaming memory goes, that was the first time you ever really saw you know these elaborate animations like this. You know, and that's why you couldn't skip them because. At that time, it was so cool, like, it was so amazing that you were watching, you know, a one-minute animation of, of 12 knights, different knights hitting your enemy, which is the Knights of the Round Materia, if somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> now, why? How did you like the battle system, was what he asked you. 
Well, oh, no, I, I, oh I, sorry. I asked yes. about the graphics and stuff, and and the Sony oh, right, graphics. The graphics. Now, did yeah, you quickly cool. did you quickly become bored of them once you realized that they weren't skippable after the first few times? I actually don't remember becoming bored with them at the time. When I was going back to play it now, I mean, I only got a couple summons, like the the Choco Mog one or whatever, and that's pretty short. Um, but they would definitely bother me today. But at the time, it didn't bother me. I just I thought it was cool because you you know you watch like the night summon, you watch each night like kicking the crap out of Ruby Weapon and it sort of made the battles more epic at the time because you know you didn't you weren't seeing that in other RPGs before that before then so now it would bother me but back then it, it was because it was so new it was cool Final Fantasy 7 in general had a great sense of scale where it presented things to you that were gigantic that gaming had or at least RPGs had never really given you that sense of scope before. So with Knights of the Round, as much of a pain it was, was cool the first few times. Because it was like, and even some of the Bahamuts, when they were attacking, it was like gigantic, you know, dragons blowing away the entire world to hurt your enemy. And even the weapons, the sense of scale when the weapons attacked Midgar. That, that was one of the things, I think it wasn't so much the graphical quality was really amazing for the day, as much as the sense of scale and what was happening in the world. You know, like the scene where the the, the whale comes up from the water in Final Fantasy IV. It's supposed to be this great epic scene, but it's like this tiny little ship floating out of the ocean, and who cares? But Final Fantasy VII gave you more of a sense of gigantic, awesome things happening in the world. Yeah. So I, li- I like the summons for that reason. They just they got old after a while. Yeah, and as rudimentary as the the graphics are, and and even back then they they were a little rough around the edges, but. Um, it, you, you had that fluid motion, they, the camera being able to zoom in and out that you really never experienced before. Putting that together with the big scope, I remember. I remember when I first got on a PlayStation, and I had a friend over, and as soon as I got Leviathan, it's like, oh, look at this, look at Leviathan, oh man, look at the water crashing over. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Like the first few times, uh, and whatnot. It really didn't start to bother me until I fought Sephiroth. And you know, with his spells, you might as well you might as well run out to the uh, you know. Don't even go to the quickie mark. That's too fast. You need to go to a nice fine dining restaurant, sit down, have a nice evening with the missus or something. Come back, and he might be done. Yeah. So one thing I will say about the battle system, this is kind of tied in. The enemies just looked awful to me. I mean, re- when I was replaying it, and I mean, they just looked terrible compared to the sprites of earlier games, you know, even of yeah. the sprites in, like, Final Fantasy IV, like, the enemies are just, like, these blobs of whatever, tubes and... Yeah, I I still don't know what half the enemies I killed were. I mean, yeah, I played one, it four times. I mean, I still don't like know a, Yeah, the one enemy's like a house, and... What? <laughs> what am I fighting? It was Genova. Genova warped everything in the world. That but, was how I slept at night. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> and don't let's not forget if you whack the house enough times, he turned kind of mean on you. He started grinning at you and stuff with those white teeth of his. I mean, I think that's what those triangles were coming out the front door. Teeth. Yeah, it was like know? a turtle house. Yeah. But uh, well, I mean, I know that I know that this it was like awesome back then because it was like everything was going 3D and I know that it impressed me at the time but looking at it now it definitely doesn't hold up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I, that's my problem with with PlayStation One 3D games in general because um, I can go back and play a Super Nintendo game or sprite based game or whatever have you without too much issue. Uh, but when I go back and play PlayStation One uh, on a especially heaven forbid on a HD TV or something like that, I just want to gouge my eyes out with a stick. So I will say, playing it on the PSP, uh, if you're playing the PSP version, it's it's more tolerable than if you were to go back and try to play it on a 
on a television because it shrinks everything down. It's kind of like playing in a Super Nintendo game like Final Fantasy VI on the Game Boy Advance. Shrinking it down helps to cover up some of the fact that the pixels are so big. But Phil, what did you think, aside from the graphical limitations of the hardware at the time, what did you think about the art direction, like the art style, more like Nomura's original character designs or like drawings of Midgar and whatnot? Did, what did you think about the art direction for the I, game? I thought the, I thought the art direction was, was fabulous. I mean, it, 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 to me, it, it reminded me a lot of, I mean, Final Fantasy VI had a lot of that steampunk look to it. But these the, here, you actually got to see uh, the big, huge buildings and stuff. And, and the one thing we really haven't gotten into yet is just how great the the, the, the computer graphics, the CG, whatever it's called, the CG graphics were. I mean, the the, the videos and stuff as you turned it on. I mean, I just sat there for the first two two minutes or however that be- beginning video was, and how it just smoothly transitioned into the game. And if if it wasn't for the fact that Cloud came out all of a sudden with only five polygons, you know, because during the trans you know, during the movies, they, they, they look like almost like normal people, but as soon as it cuts to the game, all of a sudden they got really big heads and they've got three polygons. Um, and if it wasn't for the fact that he had walked, that's where the magic dispelled for me very quickly was when he actually walked out of the train and I was like, is that his head or a bowling ball? I mean, what was those spikes <laughs> coming out of his head? Uh, but the art direction of the actual artwork and the, and the transition with the cutscenes, I remember seeing the, the golden saucer for the first time and, and when that spun around and stuff, it was just, you know, at the time, to me, you know that was just uh, amazing. I didn't have a powerful enough computer to run those types of, of CG scenes smoothly. So seeing those on the uh, PlayStation One, even though they were kind of short-lived, um, that was a real treat. And the art direction behind it was just really, really, really good, in my opinion. So, what do you think? How this compares to Nomura's other works? Since this was obviously his first time doing the art direction, he has other works. <laughs> yeah, other Final <laughs> Fantasy games, maybe? Yes, maybe even some Kingdom Hearts games. Which other ones huh? did he do? He did Kingdom he Hearts. Did a, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy X, and he did the main character art for thirteen. Oh, I like the character art in thirteen. Mm. Ten is ten is pretty good looking, yeah. Eight, eight, eight is forgettable, for, even from an art direction standpoint. Uh, or whatnot. Nine was cute, but yeah, I think yeah, from an art direction standpoint, I think seven stood out the best in my mind. And I yes, um, I really like what seven is. Um, the one reason I'm sure of a three to this, you know, Final Fantasy thirteen on the PSP, no PS3 idea. The one reason I'm scared of that is the game is beautiful largely because of the really nice environments that were drawn. The pre-rendered environments have a lot of really interesting art, de- art details, particularly um, Midgar slums. I could sit there all day trying to figure out what the hell is in those clumps of trash. You could spend all day just figuring out where in the hell you're you're allowed to go or not, especially if you didn't hit the select button where it shows you the little arrows. But even then, you're well, like, can I go all here? about the select button. Yeah. It, you know, I, had, well, I had the select button on the whole freaking time, and I still had trouble figuring out where I could go. Uh, I thought okay. you were about to say that you didn't figure the select button out either, and you're wondering <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> there was a select no. button. <laughs> Mr. Michael Cunningham told me about it early on, and I gladly turned that thing on and said, Oh, now I just have to figure out how I get to that exit. Wait, can I walk there? No. Can I walk there? No. Can I walk there for a little while? Where can I walk to get to that exit? That is actually one of the biggest problems I noticed while we playing it recently is this needed analog. This was built at sort of a really odd angle most of the maps. It was not meant to be, you know, just right, left, up, and down. So the addition of analog would definitely help navigation. I, I don't think they had analog 
I know that's the problem. They made maps that kind of like needed technology that wasn't there yet. Yeah. Just continuing on what uh, Charles was saying too, I thought it was pretty amazing how every single building and every area was like completely uniquely designed with like little doodads and you know different pieces of scenery. I mean, now you'll see, um, you know, um, copy and paste. Like if, right, co- certain areas copied and pasted, and uh, I think for a game like that, I just thought was, you know, there was little, just little, little, like, everything was completely unique. Like, you would see, like, what, like a bear or something, or, or like, a robotic hand. And I thought that was uh, very well done from an art point of view. That's actually what, you know, when playing Crisis Core, the one thing that I was really sad about was, you know, I get to these environments that were really artistically detailed, and all these really minor stuff kind of hit in the background, and nobody's just copy and paste these, like, ten templates over and over again. And that's kind of like the one reason I am really afraid of a modern remake is they'll try to take it in three different directions not to use, use their copy and paste model instead of original artwork every inch. Right, like every single scene was like there was like nothing reproduced. It didn't it didn't seem no. like that. Like from different There's, um camera angles and everything. Yes. Mm. Um, let's change the subject just a little slightly, and uh, we'll start with Mr. Charles this time. Why don't you tell us what you thought about the story and the plot and the characters? Kind of wrap that all up into one. Okay, um, I this is still one of my favorite altogether casts. Um, I just actually really like the characters, kind of the way they interact. That's one thing I really do miss, like, from the modern games and everything for the series is I like to, you know, change my party. I get slightly different conversations here and there. I can unlock these little scenes where I have these two characters talk. Um, I'm at, the reason I played four playthroughs is I got every date scene because I actually wanted to get those. I actually enjoyed that kind of incentive to see what kind of little skits am I missing here and there. And that is the one thing I really miss out of more modern JRPGs. And for the actual story... Go play Dragon Age Origins. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go play... You need to lose your Western RPG virginity if you want more of that. <laughs> virginity? No, Western RPG virginity. Yeah, I actually called that once. I'm, I, I uh, made an interesting lead way, but no, never mind. Um, so for the actual plot... Um, the actual plot, I, I actually, I like it a lot. I mean, until I find, you know, I like the way it kind of comes together. Really, the main issue is localization, but the actual plot's pretty nice. Um, I'd say the one thing I really didn't kind of, my big down point was when they kind of left Midgar. I, I, I'm actually one of those people that actually liked Midgar. I wanted, you know, when they shifted, shifted the story to Sephiroth and the whole world instead of, you know, just terrorist bombings, I... I kind of had a second to, you know, have to go, okay, fine, I'll leave. After that, they did kind of start pulling me back in with some of the really interesting places you go. I mean, I'm still scared of Nibelheim. Um, and I just like the plot progression. I mean, I knew Eris was going to die when I walked in. I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to play, was just see, oh, why does everyone care about this, you know, this particular character dying? And I did, I still care about her dying every time I play. Um, her theme is still one of my favorite themes. So, I don't know, I really felt there was a real connection there, and I really did enjoy the character in the world and the s- story progression. It, the, my main down point was ch- this too, where, you know, it's, okay, let's go get those huge material now, guys. We can do it. This is just kind of filler. 
I forgot about they called it huge materia in the game, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I forgot about that. That that's real creative stuff. We need <laughs> materia that's just bigger. Let's call it huge materia. <laughs> I mean, if they called it super materia, that would have been better. But anyway, go now, ahead. Those portions of the game I mean, it's not that the huge materia side quests were, you know, terrible. I mean going into space that was a major part of Sid's storyline. That's you know how they wrapped it up. But the overall idea of this is a you know over over the top fetch quest. That's what, what the that's what those were, and that also leads to another problem I have with the game. That's a bit of off topic is the mini games. I mean, some of them did not work so well. And I will agree with you wholeheartedly here. I did not play yeah. a mini game here that I liked at all. Um, and the way the story kind of integrated those. It sometimes felt really kind of awkward. I mean, okay, awesome. That was a great motorcycle chase scene. Wait, I'm playing the motorcycle chase scene. Okay, that can't be bad. Why am I not getting them? I'm swinging my sword around. It's not doing anything. I don't know. It's it really felt like Final Fantasy VII really was trying to do a lot more than it could do. That's probably one of my biggest criti- criticisms. Yeah, I had a I had a problem. Uh, I I would run into problems with like the mini games and stuff. I mean, I. I, I I can do God of War combos no problem, but as soon as I'm dressed up as a shimmer shoulder and he says press the X button and yeah I can never oh, seem God. to get the timing on that right I yeah and I tried many times because I'm thinking I'm missing something the first time I'm playing through I'm thinking I'm, I I got to be missing something really big it's gonna be some really cool southern material I better go back and get that and yeah, I can it's never a really get good that. sword you get yeah. a pretty good sword yeah I just I wasn't worthy I can I can beat God of War no problem combos big bosses not a big deal but Final Fantasy VII just Kicked my fingers. What did you think, Mike? Since you just recently played through it, what was your what was your impression of the story and the characters? And most importantly, did you really care when Ares died? Uh, first, quick sidebar: the mini games are horrible. I hated them. I, the submarine one, I couldn't figure out where the stupid submarine was for a while until I just stumbled upon it after I'd crashed into about five mines, and then I <laughs> solved it within um, a minute. So yeah, that was really balanced. And the Chocobo racing. Sucks. I hate it. Uh, and you didn't even get knights in the round. So how many times did you do chocobo racing? Like once. I did it as many as I was required to. It took me four times with the computer controlling to win because I tried controlling once and I did horribly. That thing controlled here's off. A, here's a um, here's a trick for um, the um, racing game. You cheat. You have to look up all the little cheat codes. There's certain um, like finger press, like holding down one of the L buttons and holding down the triangle button. I mean, there's really weird tricks to actually make it playable. They just, you know, of course, again, don't tell you. Well, I just didn't feel like going through that. Yeah, okay. I don't blame you. As for Eris, yeah, she was she was a nice girl. I did feel something when she died, although I felt more in many other places. Um... What other places did you feel something? What are you talking about? <laughs> Glenn, don't ask. I'm not sure I have an answer for you, and if I did, it would be incredibly vague and cryptic. Oh, okay. I'm impressed. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's see. How about that Sephiroth guy? Um, so is he a clone made by Genova that we're seeing kill Eris, or is he Superman's twin brother who happens to learn to be flying everywhere? Is he, in fact, not the real Sephiroth? Is he... Tell me about this guy, because I'm really not okay. sure what he is. I, I think I can settle this. 
Um, yeah, he the body of Sephiroth is up in the northern crater. You find him at the end of disc one. Um, basically, the whole first disc where you're you know, chasing Sephiroth, that's Genova's body dressing up as Sephiroth the most. I mean, it can do that. Genova is sort of the it-can-do-anything cell. Um, whenever it like launches a part of Genova at you, it's basically ripping off his arm and just throwing at you. It's, again, this is sort of, you know, the graphics were limited and the localization really did not help. Oh, I will completely agree with that. <laughs> um, also, so is was Cloud created five years ago, or is he a guy who happened to have um, Sephiroth clone ship grafted onto him five years ago? What, well, uh, okay, basically, uh, for Cloud's story is... He failed getting into soldiers, so he, this was a grunt, and then he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, apparently, so he can use giant swords in this world without any training. So after defeating Sephiroth, he was then taken by crazy Dr. Hojo and ingested with anything and everything they could find. Um, that kind of started screwing up with his molecular structure and his mind in general. Um, he is the original Cloud. He just has really funky amnesia. Okay. That tells me more than I clearly garnered from the game, anyway. Yeah, oh, again. I, I remember this one awesome cinematic involving weapon as it attacks uh, Junon while Tifa's in the gas chamber. I loved how weapon somehow charges up for an enormous attack that blows a hole in the room just enough so that she can get out. That was great writing. Oh, that was didn't the, you like the fact that... Power of weapon... Oh, of course, then there's the best in part, the um, slapping minigame. Yes, that was amazing. That was hilarious, actually. I know, but if you really do think about it, that should have killed Scarlet with the first hit if it was Tifa. So that's, you know, either Scarlet was hiding something, or, you know, that's just, oh, let's just be silly right here. That, no, I don't know. Tifa's a pansy. <laughs> that was the prissiest freaking thing I ever watched. You know, <laughs> it made Eris look macho. That That was just sad. Actually, that's the funny thing is um, what most people actually get, especially from the you know more recent versions, is Aerith was the actual you know outgoing one. Just because Tifa would punch things did not mean she was you know the uh, aggressive girl in the party. She was the I'm shy and I'm just going to punch you because one. yeah, she's dainty. She's very dainty. That's actually the reason that really kind of that's the kind of a it's kind of like for those with familiar with eight with sort of Irvine not telling <laughs> the whole giant plot. Point there, it's um she she realized pretty much early on something is wrong. Cloud's not remembering things. I just won't say anything because I don't really want to mess with him. It's not really good timing or something. I'll do it when he's having a mentally broke. Um, he's having a major meltdown and the world's about to be destroyed by meteor. That's better timing. Yes, because that's the smart thing to do. Sorry, she actually irked me because of that type of behavior in the game. Like, that that type of female character, I have major issues, but maybe it's because I'm a very outgoing and brash kind of woman that I have no mm -hmm. problem kind of speaking my mind. Characters like Tifa just really kind of grate on my nerves because of the fact that they're so afraid of the world, and it's like, why? Why be afraid if you're going to go on this journey? I know, that's I, actually the reason I really liked Aerith more, and I was kind of, that's the reason I was sad to see her go, is it's not so much her use and ability though she was broken at the point she left me, uh, it's more the fact that I'm going to miss her as a character because she was, you know, the more... She was 
She looks like the classic female, but she's anything but. She was definitely, um, definitely different in some ways. I mean, yes, she was outgoing, and yes, she was very personable. And I think, you know, I mean, those were things I actually appreciated about her character. Um, she wasn't afraid of things that were going on. In fact, she kind of welcomed it in a lot of ways. It was like, oh, Which is odd. I mean, she's the white mage. I mean, you don't usually think of the white mage as, oh, let's go on an adventure, let's kick some ass, you know, let's, um, oh, I'm going to flirt with you about in five minutes. I mean, she was really out of character for the classes, you know, so she was given. It was, that's what I, I really liked about her. I think what kind of made her work was the fact that, you know what, she was the character who was completely sheltered. So, uh-huh. of course, she's the most excited to go out and explore the world because, you know, the only place she's ever known is Midgard, and Midgard's a very dreary place. Um, that makes her character a lot more fun to watch because she does get a lot of growth through her exploration because she is the character that wants to explore. Everybody else is kind of like, oh, you know, I guess we have to go here. Meanwhile, she's like gung-ho. It's like, let's go. Let's go here. Let's go there. She was so kind of content being in the party, but she was more content about being outside of her comfort zone. And you don't see that, especially in a lot of female characters. You don't see that. So, I mean, I've always been kind of pro Eris, and it's only just because, you know what, I can identify more with kind of how she acts. Tifa, I can't. Yeah, but, but Tifa, every time you used her limit break, you got to play Russian roulette. Oh, no, I hated that. Yeah. That was dumb. <laughs> that was dumb. Was it you're like, Russian roulette, or was it a slot machine? Slot machine, yeah. Slot machine. I mean, a slot machine and Russian roulette, you know? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I can finally spin eight wheels on a wheel number two. Missed. Oh! <laughs> yeah, no, that just always drove me crazy because I'd always be like, oh, it's lining up, it's lining up, and then always one would just mess you over, and you're like, oh, okay, why did I bother? I I, unless I've mistaken, it was actually a um, bit of a trick. The more you miss, the stronger the final one gets. Of course, at that point, you have really done nothing. I mean, yeah, if you missed all of them, great. Final Heaven does a lot of damage. What do you do? You missed the other seven attacks. <laughs> yeah. Sam, since since you went off on your little heiress monologue, why don't you also oh, tell sorry. us what you thought about the rest of the, the plot and, and uh, Sephiroth and whatnot. You know, to be honest, I mean, I've played the game three times, and a, a lot of the plot is so disjointed, and that's always a problem I've had with the game. I don't like how the plot attempts to try to be patchwork. It shouldn't be that way in some ways, where, you know, oh, okay, we've done the whole Midgard plot, now we're going to go out of Midgard, and oh, look, this is happening, and it just, something about it would just kind of always irked me, because there was no, um, something that didn't feel constant, yeah, something about it just, there was nothing that felt constant, other than, you know, we have to go find Sephiroth. And just a lot of what happened in the game, just, I didn't care. I mean, with the exception of Eris and doing the Temple of Ancients, a lot of the plot points... I like. I love the humorous plot points. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, doing the Don Corneo thing was Epic. brilliant. was brilliant. Um, going to Costa... Costa Solo. Brilliant. Costa Solo. Uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> names, names and I... <laughs> doesn't work. Uh, Free you know, butchering allowed on RPG back. You know, Go ahead. Golden Saucer, same thing. There's there's lots of joy to be had in those plot points because yes, the character interactions are really good for the most part. That being said, the main 
quest of finding Cloud's identity. I didn't care about that, but that's because I thought Cloud was a horrible main character. Because again, <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't like characters that have this, this. Oh, I am pretentiously disjointed. It's like, can you just shut up? That's why I hated Squall they, they so much. They weren't identifiable, and you never really connected to them or felt sorry and, for and, them or and anything. I agree with you. I was in the same situation. That uh, I mean, I thought Cloud was just strange character I didn't care about. I didn't really care that much about Eris. I thought Tifa was completely, you know, you couldn't really connect to her at all with what you were talking about earlier. I thought Sid was such a jerk. I didn't care if his spaceship blew up and killed him. Barrett was uh, very uh, one-note as a character. So just as a whole, I, I agree. I see exactly where you're coming from. I don't think you're nuts. The, the characters as a whole, the overall plot, I lost because I just didn't really care. And, like, Vincent was a really interesting character, and to the point that I thought it made sense to make a game centered around him, not that they did it right, but there wasn't much development for him in Final Fantasy VII itself because they were too busy with Cloud being crazy and in a wheelchair and in a live stream and a puppet and not remembering things, and I didn't care about him. And that's the problem, like, again, why I have a hit-and-miss relationship with this game. I, I enjoy a lot of the gameplay aspects, but the story and the characters kind of, especially now that I'm a lot older playing it, um, a lot of it fell flat for me. Like, But you like the... What about the settings? You're talking about some of the places. I, I, okay, admittedly, I do like the setting. Um, I like the fact that this was a Final Fantasy that went very sci-fi. Like, I think Midgar is awesome, and I think Midgar is awesome because it has that whole uh, post-apocalyptic feel, but I like, you know, post-apocalyptic games or post-apocalyptic settings. Uh, I love, you know, dirty slums and that kind of stuff. When I see that in the game... (laughs) Shut up, Glenn. (laughs) Shut up. I'm tired. So excuse me if I'm, like, making a lot of that's-what-she-said jokes in my head. Sam hangs (laughs) out in the dirty slums. Shut up. What I'm saying is, I find that far more interesting, obviously, than the typical fantasy setting. So I don't like, actually, that the game kind of went towards that in the middle, with places like, you know, was it Nibelheim, and um, even just, like, with some of the smaller towns that you visit. It's like, I don't care about this. I want to go back to to the Mako Reactor. That was cool. I loved (laughs) the setting and the atmosphere in Palm Fantasy VII, probably... It and six are kind of tied depending on my mood, on which art design I like better and which setting I like better. My issue with seven was that the best setting in the game in Midgar is Midgar, and it has the best opening sequence, like those first several hours in Midgar, for me of any Final Fantasy. And it's kind of like once you start out with that, you know, you can't go to what was the, the town where I was in Midgar was called like Calm or something, and it's yeah. just like three houses. Yeah. You can't go from Midgar to three houses, and it just. I love the desolate feel, like you said, post-apocalyptic, whatever. I, I like the somber, depressed, sad, because no games were like that then. Just, you know, kind of a wasteland of a game. I mean, kind of, you know, this. I played this probably right before I played Fallout 2 and Fallout 1 and, and Planescape Torment, so I kind of saw more games like that. But Final Fantasy VII had that strength of a just a depressing, sad, everything screwed up setting. And then, like, I thought, you know, thematically, the Gold Saucer was just a really interesting place where it was the opposite of all that. And... I love the settings in it. I just I wish that they had come up with ideas as strong as Midgar. Because you had kind of Midgar for me, and you had the Gold Saucer, and then you had a huge, desolate, depressing wasteland filled with characters you didn't really care about who were all depressing themselves and depressing things yeah. happened to them. And I just, I like the atmosphere and the, the music when I finally played the game unmuted, you know, the second time. And uh, I mean, I, I, I like the art direction and the music and the mood and the atmosphere and the setting and that a lot. 
didn't care about the characters, didn't care about the story, and the graphics don't hold up. You know, they hardly looked good in 96. They really look disgusting now. Well, that's just it. Midgar really was, in a way, a perfect setting. Because it kind of had everything. It had all the tension. It had all the emotion of these people. And, you know, you got to admit, when you have a church in the middle of a set of slums, it's that one little defining piece of hope that Midgar actually yeah. has. The, the and name of the song is Flowers Blooming in the Church, the Umatsu wrote. It just it all it all really fit. And it, it it kind of just it kind of all beautifully worked together. I mean especially like because you have places like you know, Wall Street. Wall Street oh, is, yeah. is the epitome of sketchiness. And you know what? Again, it works contrasted next to the church. Next to Seventh Heaven. You know, it works. What I don't like about the game is the fact that it loses that kind of spark that it brought in. And that, like, with the setting, that's one of my biggest complaints about the game, is that after you leave Midgar, you you don't care as much about the setting. Because, in a way, because if you don't like Cloud, it's kind of hard to enjoy the quest. Cloud really does make it tricky. If you love Cloud, it's, it's easier to enjoy what's going on in the setting than what's going on in the game. If you don't like Cloud... It's really hard. And I blame it on Cloud because Cloud really is that kind of defining character where you have to care about his quest. And if you don't, what's there to care about in the game, really? Because it's really all about him. Yes, everybody else has their points, but their points don't ever feel as important as his are supposed to. Yeah, that is... uh... At all, Red 13. (laughs) I love Red, okay? I wish he had gotten more screen time. He was one of the better characters. And you know what? His story was actually one of the more touching ones, with his father and 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 all that situation. Like I actually like that, but again, you can't do much else with it afterwards. It's like with the whole Barrett and Marlene thing. You know, it's touching, it's sweet, but it's not about them. Right, and it only got about five sentences of time. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I when you want to make a game with a good ensemble cast, you have to make sure that everybody is balanced with the same amount of care. I don't think 7 has that. In fact, I, I think, think 7 to think... 13 has that. Yeah, I, I, I think... I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. This is this is definitely the point where, I mean, after 4 did kind of really focus on Cecil a bit, but it did let other ones get room. 5 has really no main character as far as I can tell. 6 really let you pretty much, except for obviously a couple of the more joke characters and optional characters, you could really say whoever you felt was the main character um, for the most part. Seven's well, really where they kind of just said, nope, Cloud is Cloud. Well, and that's kind of something that made me sad about a lot of the later Final Fantasies, because that's one thing I loved about, you know... Six. Six and, and four. And four I liked just because, you know, you had a lot of interaction with the other characters. You knew stuff about the other characters, um, even if they weren't the, fo- the, the sole focus of attention, because really, other than Cecil, I mean, nobody really was. But that being said, you were you you grow to like the characters in four. I thought like, nine did a good job of spreading the love, though. Actually, nine I, is, I will say is an exception because nine okay, actually does a pretty good job. I I actually was pretty attached to the the characters in in six. I thought that even despite the fact there were sixteen of them, so you you could swear that they wouldn't get a whole lot or fourteen of them or something like that. But I actually was caring, and when when it got to the end, that twenty minute ending. Uh, with the sweeping music score showing you what happened with every character. I mean, uh, 
not afraid to admit this on national podcast, but I was crying at the end. It, it choked me up. It was, it was just, it was just seeing all these stories come together and being wrapped up. I actually cared about most of the characters in that. I didn't feel that way about Seven. I <laughs> cried because that. Kefka died and I loved him as a villain. <laughs> I was hoping that the tower would collapse on everybody and that way Kefka would get the last laugh. I think, I think ultimately when it comes to storytelling, you have to have a solid cast. And six, despite having 16, you know, cast members, you as a player loved all of them. They were not dislikable. And even if they had factors about them gameplay-wise that weren't that, you know, solid, like, I wasn't a big fan of Locke in, you know, gameplay-wise, but I loved him as a character. But, you know, like, there's enough to love about those characters that that's why they stay memorable. Um, I mean, the only other game for me that did that was, like, Valkyrie Profile. And Valkyrie Profile, you say what you will, you get little vignettes of each character, but damn, each one of them is very memorable. You remember the characters in that game, because that game drills it into your head that you should care about these people, even no matter how evil they are. Seven should have taken a note from, like, six. It really should have. Yeah, that is a good... Valkyrie Profile is another good, depressing game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they handled things so much better than Seven did. Tom, what was your favorite characters, and did you think they they connected? From Final Fantasy Seven? Yeah. No, from Valkyrie Profile. <laughs> oh, um, I never played Valkyrie Profile. You should. Anyway. Oh, I almost I just almost just muted myself as I was in the middle of talking. Um. I well, I don't necessarily have a favorite character, but as I went back and played it, I realized that I have the same view as you guys. Like, Cloud really had no effect on me. Like, I love all the Final Fantasy games, but I went back and I realized that I didn't. I didn't even know that Cloud talked and had this like awful personality. Like, I remember him as just like a silent type of character, and he's obviously not. And I was like, wow, he's really like distasteful, you know. Um, so, I, I guess he, he really was. He was just like, why, like, why, why does he have to be so rude all the time? You know, like, it's just, like, even when you have a choice, like, um, when you're talking to, like, some of the people in the beginning, and, uh, you know, like, the one guy is, like, telling you about his troubles, and you can say, like, you can either, like, tell him to go, um, whatever himself or you can sort of just like say dot 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 and then if you say dot <laughs> and if you say dot 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 he's like oh thank you so much <laughs> so I don't know I, didn't, I, found, I found him distasteful but I guess I like Barrett the most or something <laughs> or no I like Selfie because you find her in the forest <laughs> you mean Yuffie? <laughs> whatever, whatever her name is. Why did I say, what is Selfie from? Selfie you mean from Selfie eight? is from eight. She's eight. She's, oh, she's okay. the poster wow. girl for Mentos. Wow. Okay. You know, after yeah, like, playing like this game... Selfie, she... What? You like Selfie game... so much, she was obviously very memorable to you. <laughs> no, I, I like Yuffie because she's a forest ninja. There we go. And I said, do you like... Amazon? Sorry, okay. who's with regards who's to got a Barrett, question for me? Go. With regard to Barrett, do you do I ever see Shaft now? Because I think that he owes a lot to Shaft, personality wise. Shaft uh, Barrett? A, yeah. Who else would remind you of Shaft in this game? <laughs> yeah. 
Pojo? Yeah, he's like, Shaft, Mr. T, and all the cursing. Okay, hold on. Just... Can, we, can we stop at a point for a second? Because Glenn just brought up Hojo. You want to talk about an actual decent character in that game? There's your decent character. Yeah, you liked him, right? Hojo's actually interesting. Because yeah, you actually yeah. see a lot that has to do with him and how his mind works. And how he just treats all the characters. Like, you know what? Hojo, you're badass. Awesome. <laughs> I like him. He doesn't do much more than go, oh, ho, 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 how evil I am. But that sadly <laughs> makes him one of the best characters in the game. <laughs> That's what I've decided. Ho- Hojo. Hojo for president. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, the, the Turks are kind of interesting. i got to give him that. You know what? I thought they got old for... I mean, after... Like, when you go from, like, Ultras in Final Fantasy VI to the Turks, I kind of thought that was... A, they got old for me before they went away for good. Maybe it's the fact that I have so many other villains who are less interesting to compare them to in this game. Jooms, wait till you get to the uh, the disciplinary committee in eight. Then you're going to kind of uh, wish you got the Turks back. Uh, like, oh, joy. Um... Uh, I mean, if you if you if you're excited to deal with a woman who speaks in all caps. Oh no no! It's only one word in all caps. Yes, rage. <laughs> wow, you're you're making me so eager to play that game. Don't do it. Skip that week. Ask questions. Be the host. <laughs> we're uh, we're almost uh, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask: Did you all think that? Final Fantasy VII, obviously one of the biggest games in, in everyone's, uh, in a lot of people's minds anyways, in the RPG world or whatnot. What did Final Fantasy, did Final Fantasy bring anything to the table that just changed the, the planescape, I don't know why that word's coming to mind, landscape, landscape <laughs> of, landscape. of, of RPGs? Um, I've got I... a little bit to say. Oh, sorry. Okay, go Tom. You first. Well, I, I, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about seven as like this is where everything changed. And then you know, if if Final Fantasy seven is your favorite RPG, everybody's like, oh, you're such a you know follower or whatever. But I really think it sort of just took the formula of six, sort of of the super deformed characters, not necessarily in the in the stories as we've already covered of the characters, but in the it really did have a similar style to the previous games. Um, and I don't think it was quite that, you know, didn't change as much as people really think that it did. I think really the series changed around 10 rather than 7. I would back that up. That 10 is the one, that's, 10 is where I start becoming really just, um, divisive with the series. That's where I really think things really did start changing. 7 has a lot of similarities to 6 with its obvious differences, particularly in the characterizations, but... It's really cut from the kind of same mold almost, and I don't yes. know. I wasn't there in 1997 to really. Well, I was there, but I wasn't really playing to, um, you know, say, oh, this is the defining trait of role plays to ever come. I can't really say that, so I don't really know. In my opinion, it just felt like the other ones of its time and before then. I think what it was about Seven was the fact that it did turn a lot of people onto RPGs. I mean, if you weren't playing them before. Um, Seven was the one that got so much hype when it first came out that everybody kind of had this, this, there was this curiosity about it. Um, and you have to remember that when the PlayStation came out, Final Fantasy Seven actually was a lot of people's first Final Fantasy. Like, if you didn't grow up with a Genesis or with, or sorry, not with a Genesis, with a Super Nintendo, I don't know why it brought up the Genesis. You were kind of SO, SOL, right, when it came to Final Fantasy. 
you didn't have a SNES or an S, you likely didn't know what they were. So when you got a PlayStation, it was like, oh, hey, Final Fantasy VII, got to check this out. So for a lot of people, I mean, like, even a lot of staff members, like, prior, like, Oliver Montauk, for an example, this was his first Final Fantasy. I remember because I couldn't argue with him about it, because he would always blindly defend it. But you I'm know glad what? you say that, because I thought he said that, too. And more recently, he told me that Final Fantasy X was his first Final Fantasy, and that he played seven after that. I'm pretty that. sure... I thought he told us that seven was his first. But anyway, no, you know ahead. what? Actually, I think ten might have been, but you know what? I just to point out the fact that you know he was someone who you know this was the one of the first final fantasies he played and therefore there was the blind worship because Nine apparently time. i remember him saying the 10 was was pretty good but not the best but i remember talking to him about 7 once and i just remember saying you know i'm i'm not as big a fan and i remember he kind of jumped at me <laughs> cuz you know he he was a defender of people like cloud so well. I will actually say I do like Cloud. I kind of just kept quiet while I sort of beat a Cloud up with the bat. Um, uh, I'm um, sorry. I apologize. You should have sobbed audibly so we would have known and stopped. No, it's okay because uh, at the same time while I do like his character, I understand. It's the same reason, I'll be frank, I like Squall. So, I mean, I'm not particularly in the right interest group, so to speak. So, oh, I I'm, I'm guess I'm their target audience, So, but I don't know. We well, you know, Charles, you're not, you're not crazy. I mean, you're talking about Matt's Q&A column. I mean, I remember he wrote he wrote a piece about how much uh, Final Fantasy VII and Cloud's character specifically meant to him, where I guess he identified more in Cloud's quest for identity and, uh, yeah, I guess, knowing who he was and knowing himself and not feeling like the world was accepting him. That side of it, I remember Matt writing because it, uh, it was, you know, Matt wrote a lot of personal yeah, stuff. I remember that. I remember reading that, and I really agreed with that because I, at the same time, I, when I was playing the game, it was a really confusing part of my life, so it did really kind of resonate there. I think if I played the game at another time, it might not have worked. So it really is sort of, he had to be there. That's, I think, the problem. And I think that's the really kind of reason that the Final Fantasy's real divisiveness is they try to do those kind of characters, and they really only reach a very specific audience of a kind of teenage segment. They don't really allow for other characters that could resonate with other audience members to really get that screen time. I think that's the main issue right there. I think, though, one thing that, you know, I think people appreciated about Seven was that it did have some very interesting themes that you didn't really see a lot of. Like, um, yes, you saw it in Sixth Quest of Identity, but with a character like Cloud, Cloud was very different from Terra. Like, no doubt. They're very different <laughs> oh, characters. Yeah. Um, but day and night. It, it is day and night. But, you know, for some people, there there are ways to identify with with Cloud's journey in his search for his identity. Um, and I think a lot of people did connect to that at that time. Um, that's why a lot of people, even to this day, still still praise the story. And that's that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, tell someone that they're stupid for liking the story in this game. Because, you know what, I see, I do see some merit in it. Um, and, you know, I do like a lot of the underlying themes in the story. Yeah, like... You have to take pieces of it. I would have... I wouldn't yeah. question someone's sanity if they adored everything about the story. I think yeah. if you take pieces of characters and pieces of the story and can kind of shut off other parts, it you know, it, it, like, they had a lot of good stuff going there. It just they didn't execute it very well at all. To well, say the that's least. kind of the. I think that's sort of the. You know, that's what Final Fantasy kind of has to deal with almost every segment. There are just segments that aren't the greatest, and this game had its 
fair share. And the localization, of course, was just the wonderful route and icing on top. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part about this game. You know, the localization really did make it a murky mess. It really uh-huh. did. And um, it's kind of a shame. Well, and, and we'll never get it fixed unless, <laughs> you know, we ever get an actual proper remake, right? But, you or at know, least a port. I mean, we've got, we've fixed four, like, how many times now? We've fixed um, even six, which only needs some tweaking, but seven, the biggest entry in the series, the one, like, everyone praises, and it, we saw this rotten translation from, from what, is it, um, it's actually 13 years ago now, I mean, it, it's yeah. amazing well, we there, still have to deal with that. One thing that works well as a supplement is there are some really good uh, fanfics out there to let you know what Klaus <laughs> was really thinking when he had to cross-dress. Hey! <laughs> 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 Oh man. Okay. Uh, about your question about what it uh what it did for future RPGs and future games, uh, I'll need to reiterate. I agree with what Sam and Tom said. I think that it didn't really break new ground except for we were talking about a while ago about uh like the sense of scope and the sense of scale and the epicness of some of the creatures and what was happening to the world, I think was new. But that was allowed by the new hardware. Overall, I think the game just became so famous because like Sam said, it was just it was one right, of the first right. big, good PlayStation 1 games. Sony localized it. Sony spent a huge budget advertising for it. It got huge reviews, and it was the game everyone bought. And what, it's still the best-selling Final Fantasy. What and, about... As far as, like, you know, what, game-breaking or new things, I don't think it did anything new. What What about its musical score being that it was the first game, a Final Fantasy game, if I recall, that had CD-based music? Well, was, yeah, but I, I like... You know, before Matsu kind of got tired of writing game music, I thought that he did a lot of good stuff. So I mean, I oh, I, I, I like Six's score a lot too. I mean, what? Yeah, I still think this is. I think this is kind of like um, when Matsu's real sort of peak. This is the real point where he's really doing a lot of real game yeah, music. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Seven was his peak too. Um, I still but think I like still... Six a little bit more, but Seven had really good songs thrown about. I mean, a lot of the background music, a lot of the epic song music. I actually don't really consider um. One Winged Angel is great. People like to, you know, proclaim it. I know better songs in that ser- in that um, the game, game. Actually, the game version of One Winged Angel, I don't think is that great. The orchestrated no, version, not. I think, is outstanding. The orchestrated version is beautiful. Yeah, actually, a lot of that's the real fun thing is um, this game actually really translates well to orchestra. A lot of the songs really do sound pretty beautiful in orchestrated form. And Phil, when you're talking about the more the increased quality of the music, you're still talking about a hardware improvement. I mean, that was kind of like... Yeah. I can't remember. Was it the 3DO? What was the system that had, like, all this uh, FMV, where it, like, you know, captured people and it put it into the game, and that was, like, every game that was for that system had to do that somewhat? I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, the, thanks. It was a Sega CD. So, and that failed, of course. But, I mean, that was the thing, you know, when you go to the PlayStation and you on CD base instead of a cartridge base. I mean, that that was why the, uh, Square gave up Nintendo and to Sony, was so they had extra room to make better graphics and better sound. So I see that more as a hardware improvement that they wanted to do than, uh, you know, setting a new standard for the genre thing. Okay, fair enough. Let's, uh, one more question real quick. We'll go down the list, but um, I, for all the fanboys out there, let me ask you guys, uh, one at a time, we'll start with uh, Charles. Was Final Fantasy VII your favorite Final Fantasy game? And if not, which one was? I, okay, we've already been through this. Um, six is my favorite, but this actually does rank second. Um, I put six a little bit above it. Um, for me, the series, my peak was in the mid-90s, because I, my favorites are six, seven, and five. That's really what I consider the best of the series, and 
I'm a bit odd in some regards because I also like two at like fourth place, so disregard anything I ever saved for the most part. But um, it's uh, I don't know. I really do like this one. I really do think it worked out. But you had to kind of it was a sort of it's a real time and place issue. You have to be a certain time in your life to really really draw out everything out of it, and um, or you had to be back there in 1997, which you know the big fireworks show of the day almost. Glenn. Yo. Your question. Uh, Final Fantasy VI is also my favorite, although I haven't played it lately. Seven, I don't know, I haven't played it in a really long time. It's probably the, probably, yeah, of all the Final Fantasies, it's been the longest since I replayed, or even played Seven. Uh, it's the only Final Fantasy I ever played where I got most of the way through it and was so bored that I put it down. It didn't help that StarCraft came out. And then played another game for a while and then went back to it. And that was what we were talking about earlier with the huge materia and kind of like after the end of Disc 1 and into Disc 2 and I didn't care about the plot and I thought collecting the huge materia was dumb. And So it's the only Final Fantasy I've ever put down. And it was kind of a big deal that I went back to it because I don't usually do that. A second playthrough, I was able to play through the whole time. So really, I don't... I mean, if I were... If I had, you know, took took part in the year of Final Fantasy that uh, Charles did last year and replayed all of them, I wouldn't be surprised if Final Fantasy VII were in the lower half. And I think especially with the graphics, which Jim's can say, I, I think it'd be almost unplayable today. I just think I wouldn't be able to get past the graphics. But six is my favorite. Well, if you play it, if you play it again, my recommendation: go for the PSP. It's nice suspend, being able to suspend on the spot anywhere, and the graphics are a little bit easier to swallow. Yeah, it's you know, easier to play ugly handheld games while watching TV than it is that's to play right. ugly PlayStation <laughs> games while watching TV. I can actually, yeah, you know, actually doing that year of Final Fantasy. This was one I actually had a hard time replaying. I mean, I like had to force myself. Oh my god, it's almost the end of this month. I really probably should finish game. I mean, it's not going to take that much. I just probably huh. should finish so you'd it. You'd still put it number two, though? You just chalk that up yeah. to having well, played again, it so many it, times? I played a fourth. This is my fourth playthrough that, that time. And there's also, remember, I'd played six others right before it, so. But I do say it's it's one that, you know, revisiting over and over again is probably not best advised. I think Sam might agree as well. Oh god. <laughs> Um, play it once, having one, have one real good playthrough, and maybe just uh, put it down for a while, and maybe don't think about revisiting it. Don't soil those memories if you had any good ones. <laughs> uh, Mike, your call. Final Fantasy VII, your favorite uh, Final Fantasy, or one of the other I'd ones? I'd like to preface this. I happen to have a big EGM collection, and the review for Final Fantasy VII when it came out, one of them said this. I can honestly say that Final Fantasy VII is the best RPG that's ever been released in the United States, bar none, which I find interesting, especially 13 years later. So no, it is not my top Final Fantasy. Um, uh, six would probably be my top, and I'm not sure where I would place it because I haven't played all of them yet. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm terrible with rankings anyway. But yes, it is. Particularly the navigation aspect is just a real pain to get through nowadays, and Sony's translation does it no favors whatsoever. This is a game that time has not been kind to. <laughs> Sam, your question. Uh, I'm not going to say six for a change. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite. Doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. Uh, a real Final Fantasy game. Fine, fine, fine. Then Girls. it's six. Uh. Then it's six. Then it's six. Always changing the rules. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, if we're looking numerically, numerically it'd be six. If we're looking at 
all of the Saints games in magical the show. world of rules. <laughs> tactics is my favorite, and I, I don't care what you guys say. Tactics was loads of fun, and it's one that I seven on on Sam's magical list of all games ever. Whatever this, whoever this includes, where would you rank seven? Seven would probably be very low for me. Um, I mean, the yeah, only Sam. Does that Final Fantasy Chronicles thing that included Chrono Trigger rank on this list? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are yeah. so cruel. Say that your favorite Final Fantasy game is Final Fantasy Anthology for the PlayStation yeah. 1. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so mean. Um, let's just, I'll be frank. Seven is probably my second least favorite game. Eight obviously being my least favorite. So you like because... Final Fantasy 1 and Final Fantasy 3 more than seven? Yes. Wow. Believe it or not, I and actually two? didn't find three. Two, I actually, two? I, I, I'm excluding two because I actually haven't. I've played maybe about an hour of it. But it was horrible, so, right? No, it wasn't. Uh, I don't really have an opinion on it. So wait, you played it for an hour and then stopped because it was bad. So it's worse than Demi. No, Pins? no, I had to give it. I had to give it back. <laughs> Is that the quote of this week, worse than Demi Kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's actually, actually, that's what the 1.0 rating should say. Worse than Demi Kids 1.5, rather play Magic Carp. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I guess my thing with 2 is that I do like the keyword system. I thought that was kind of nifty. Um, this is your that, review after playing it one hour, right? I'm just making sure. Well, well okay, let, let, me, let, me, let me be frank. This is, about why don't you put this on IGN, you know? We have standards here. <laughs> You're asking me for for a rankage, okay? And you know what? I think I'd probably be able to tolerate two more than replaying seven and eight again, okay? Hey, if you could get through three, you get through three and like it. I think you could probably like two. I there's there's mechanics about two I like, but you know, after dealing with my boyfriend screaming about it, like it was kind of one of those. Uh, I don't know if I want to play this one all the way. I mean, if you get one of like, the most recent versions, too, it can be fun, I think. It's one that I think I just need to find patience for, personally. Yeah. And I think that was patience. my big problem, was having no patience with it. That being said, yeah. um, I, I just I really have a big issue with 7 and 8. There's just things about those two games that just make me very cranky. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> Mostly just the characters and the stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you going to be here for the 8 one? Because I'd love to hear more about oh. your opinion. Oh, God. <laughs> did, did you listen to me on uh, RPG Cast two weeks ago when Chris said, oh, I think Final Fantasy uh, 8 has a great love story, and I shot him down? I hate oh, I, I think it might there have was that um, touching, like, been out. through the vacuum of space kiss scene. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Hold it. Do you remember oh. how, do you remember how I do? had to remind oh, everyone well, of that? Everybody. Okay. Okay. We don't want to. We all. Wanna, we don't want to give away uh, our our really great upcoming Final Fantasy VIII cast. Right, so, skip poor me. poor Tom here. Tom, what you got the last word on on Final Fantasy VII tonight? Was it your final fan, favorite Final Fantasy? And if not, which one was? No, Final Fantasy Thirteen is my favorite Final Fantasy. Can't say that straight face. No. It had better afros than uh, Seven did. Yeah, much better. <laughs> And better places for little birds to live. Or I don't know. I'm getting tired. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I guess you'd have to say I hate to be a corny McCornster, but um, six is my favorite because it had the most effect on me at the time. After four, which was awesome, and then when 
uh, or two, it was, you know, two slash four, and then going to playing six slash four slash six was just incredible what they did with the game. So I think that seven holds up better, but uh, six was uh, more memorable. Did it, did six affect you more because I had the scene where they were trying to get teenagers pregnant and you were a teenager when you played it? That was in six? Yeah, Tara was trying to get the teenagers to make more kids in the town that's going to die. <laughs> oh, oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and then that giant demon attacks them. Foonbaba, yeah. Yeah. Um, that didn't factor in, but, um, yeah. I think that was a missed opportunity to teach children about safe sex, and they just really glossed <laughs> over it there. Uh, I didn't see it that way, you know? You know, I, I actually... Don't know. Nintendo would have allowed that to pass with no second glance. <laughs> well, they, My, they said what was happening. Terrorists was there to help them, and then the woman had a baby, and then she's like, I've taught you everything you need, and she left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um... Six, uh, six is my favorite. Of course, everyone knows that. Um, six, six. Seven, seven was, you know, seven. Yeah, you know, like you said, it was more. I remember it more for the technological advances than than any other element. I mean, the art direction, as we talked about before, I thought was really, really good. But other than the art direction and the technological advancements, and oh my gosh, there's Bahamut come, Bahamut coming right out of the screen. Um, as far as confusing me, though, I have to go with Final Fantasy X. See, being of a Christian faith and whatever have you, I thought I kind of knew what sin was all about, and now, I, after playing Final Fantasy X, I just, I have no clue. Is it the destroy of worlds? Is it a big whale in the ocean? I don't know what sin is anymore, so. It's your dad. It's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, we're wrapping up our very lengthy Final Fantasy VII section, and we're now headed over to Mike's Import Corner. Breaker is one of those games that almost certainly would not come out here even today. It's just weird, frankly. For the background, this came out on the PCFX, which nobody here plays because it only came out in Japan, and the system crashed and died over there. And Human, the developers of Blue Breaker, decided that they wanted their game to be seen by more people than the, well... PCFX was mostly known for hentai games, as it turned out, so they wanted a bigger audience than that, and they ported it to the Saturn and the PlayStation. And Blue Breaker is just... You are a guy named Kane, and you simultaneously have to kill the... What's his face here? He's the Dark Lord. (laughs) (laughs) He's just the Dark Lord. I wish they had a better name for him, but he's just Dark Lord. But if you just kill the Dark Lord, that's the easier and less important part of the game. You also have to find a bride. Kane is the only male character in the game who you actually play as. There are about ten girls running around, and you have to run into them first in order for them to join your party, and wow, does this get complicated. Um, 
you directly control Kane in battle, and you can control the, the two other girls who can be with you at any one time, but if you do that, they tend to take it badly. They don't like getting ordered around. They're pretty good about following their AI and doing intelligent things, but you still shouldn't order them around unless you want to piss them off. <laughs> so it's a game where you get party members, but if you tell them what to do, they get angry and don't want to be your party members anymore. But fortunately, you have ten different women to pick between, so you can just rotate who you're pissing off. Yeah, but it, get, it gets even more random. Um, you don't have as much choice in who joins your party at any one time. The girls will usually come up and say, hey, I want to, I want to travel with you between this town. And you can either say yes or no. And if you say no, then you piss the girl off. Lucky you. Um, they really are fragile creatures. Oh, yeah. Also, some of the girls don't like each other, so if you put them in the same party, then your overall party performance will decrease because they hate each other so much that it turns into a lack of combat prowess. Also, But that goes with uh, the opposite effect, too. Some girls like each other enough that they'll augment each other's abilities. Um, oh, yes. Every time you have girls, you need to go around and fight. The girls like to fight with you, but only for a certain number of fights. If you fight too much, then they'll start to get pissed off at you. Fortunately, the towns are pretty close to each other, which makes getting into... They stay with you forever, or do you dump them after a while? Like, I've used you for two towns, and now you're so pissed, you can just sleep no, at the they, end of No, they dump themselves. They decide, oh, I'm done with you for now, I'm leaving. Although, sometimes they might just join up with you again when you leave that town. Can, can I name one heiress? Uh, you can't name any of the girls. Well, Trans. maybe you can. It's been a little while since I played this. They have so it's like, it's the opposite of Persona 3 and 4. It's where people like beg to join you, and then you say yes, and they get angry. And the more time you spend with them, the more they hate you, until eventually they break up with you and leave. I never got any of them to vanish completely. But yeah, if, they, if you piss them off enough, then their performance will decrease. So it sounds closer <laughs> to Sakura Wars. Kinda. Uh, what else is there in this game? There's, there's actually quite a lot. And a lot of it's really random. Um, dang, I just... It's really random, like Baroque. But this one is really uh, Baroque. Brokenly random? Oh, yes. Brokenly random, yeah. While you're wandering around, you'll frequently find um, one of the four strong optional bosses who just appear randomly at you. And if they do that early enough then they'll kill you. And if you get killed in front of the girls, they don't like you as much. If they if the girls get killed, hey, I wouldn't and, do a zombie either. Just saying. And that's really a good point. I mean this this is a real life lesson because I know you know, when I die in front of my wife, I lose respect. It's all about respect, yeah. She doesn't appreciate that. So they don't I get sad when you die in front of them, they get angry at you. Yeah. She gets real ticked. Well, on the, in the one, on the one hand, this is easy because if you die, then you just wake up in the nearest town a few days like later. Yeah. <laughs> Except if the girls are gone and they're pissed at you, so their love ratings for you have decreased. You can't really see the love ratings except by talking to the girls, and they'll say different things based on however they're feeling to you at the moment. So really, it's a, like a friendship mechanic that works the opposite of every rational friendship mechanic in any video game ever. Yeah. There you go. Huh, and to think I just got Sakura Wars. Yeah. 
Sakura so is there was... anything good about this game, or is it all about women hating you because all they want to do is fight, and you want to sleep in the inn and uh, tell them what to do? <laughs> I can't think of anything else that I am forgetting to say, honestly. I mean, so is there, this there that you're recommending an old game to us? Are you recommending this game? No, you know, he's trying to. I think he's trying to tell us that if... my my score would probably be very different than it was for the reader review, but I did have some fun with this. Maybe that's just me, because yeah, randomness is an enormous part of it, and you, if you try to play this without some fact advice, good luck. Not only is it in Japanese, but everything is random, and some of the girls won't even appear unless you do unless you go to the right place at the right time and whatnot. Is there, like, a variety of girls, like nurse girl, maid girl, school girl, jailbait girl? <laughs> or do they just, like, change hair color and sprites, and that's that's it? Yeah, you've got your butch girl, you've got your... Butch girl, is that, is that your favorite? <laughs> you said that one first. <laughs> hey, I'm flipping through the manual right now to look at all the pictures so I can refresh my memory. Hey, Thomas no Wicked, wonder he does a... No wonder his... Amazon ninjas are his type, so he's all for the bush ones. Oh, <laughs> no, geez. just um, just forest ninjas, not Amazon. No wonder he stopped talking. He's looking at the pictures. <laughs> you uh... bastard! <laughs> I love that girl you met in the forest. She was so memorable. I think Selfie was her name. <laughs> I just like hanging out in the forest, and I like meeting ninjas there. I mean, I don't see the problem. Oh boy. How many ninjas have you met in the forest? Fifteen. Your forests must be really close to Japan, then. I don't know. Listening to this game and listening to Glenn talk about Baroque, I think these games should go out, get together, have some kids, and see what pops out. I don't know. And feed them all to their guardian demon to make it better. And what's his name? Foo something or other? Boombaba. Yeah, Boombaba. Boombaba. We sound like it's really late and we've all been drinking the entire cast. Yes, I yeah. think... Uh, yeah. Mike, is there anything else about Blue Breaker before we get to our last segment? Uh, I can't remember the music. There's a fair amount of voice acting that's okay, I suppose. And, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge sometimes whether Japanese voice acting is good or bad, but it wasn't the worst I've ever heard by a long shot. And, yeah, that, pr- that pretty much covers it. <laughs> Whew. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you want to go out and buy Blue Breaker after all that, but maybe maybe Mike will be nice and put a link for us up in the boards in case anybody's buying that while they're buying Baroque. <laughs> all right. So. Well, Baroque has the added benefit of being in English, so that's always good. Not yeah. that much easier to play, but still I'm, in English. <laughs> I think the whole English thing is a little overrated. Okay, so <laughs> let's move on to our housekeeping section. <laughs> I keep renaming this section like every other time we do it, but uh, this is basically the last section of the show where we just kind of wrap things up and whatnot. First, a couple of just a couple of posts on the board. I, I don't know where y'all come up with these nicknames on the bulletin boards, but Jeff Woos, or whatever his name is, uh, says that I only played uh, Final Fantasy VII for the first time two years ago, and I was super surprised that the characters and the atmosphere of the game were drastically different from the way the game is or was depicted, depicted in Accent Core. 
Final Fantasy VII DOS, and on the internet in general. In the game, I always felt that the characters were a fun, rollicking adventure that happened to take place on a desolate land. Cloud would make jokes, swear, wear dresses, etc. was a huge contrast to the depressed, insecure Cloud I was used to. Bizarre. Anyway, the game really didn't stand out for me, but maybe it was just because it hasn't aged well. On Manicamia, I was, <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of the Atelier series. Atelier, well, however you say, who cares? Atelier. To, to, thank you. To me, it's competent, but I, can, I cannot see its appeal. It could be that the charm is lost in the translation. There was a scene where the teacher asked the class to take uh, their homework, to which the entire, what did it say? To take, take out. Like, take out their homework, so to which the so. entire class responded, yay. After that, I knew I was done with the series. So, there, there's some thoughts. And uh, Silicon Noob uh, asks us, is the localization really as bad as everyone tries to make it out? And, and I think we kind of pretty well covered covered that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we won't, we won't beat that horse down anymore. No more. No more horse. <laughs> so, thanks to everyone who, who wrote, on the, wrote on the boards. Um, definitely keep leaving your questions and comments uh, on our bulletin boards. That's always appreciated, and we'll read your questions and comments right here on, in front of millions of people on the World Wide Web. Uh, uh, Mike, do we have any contest questions this week by chance? Uh, no, did anybody ever get the last one right? No. <laughs> My guess is hard. I'm, ver- I'm very disappointed by that as well. Mm. Well, um, hmm. So well, disappointed that you didn't make one for this week. <laughs> exactly. He was heartbroken, but um, I uh, we we do have uh, we're gonna we didn't have anybody send in any audio reviews either, and there was a contest out for that. So I guess nobody cares about gift cards and whatnot like they used to. Do you, so. do you guys want a contest question? Because yeah. I think I've, got, I've just thought up a good one. Okay. So 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 okay. Twenty dollar twenty dollar Amazon gift certificate to whoever can uh, answer Sam's question first to my email, which is jcservant at rpgamer.com. Can we blurt it out in the backtrack instead and still win? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and people whose names rhyme with Ben or Tin cannot play. Sam, go ahead and ask your question. Okay. Um, so during the Wall, Wall Street episode, um, Eris and Tifa obviously dress Cloud up in drag, and there's key specific items that make Don Corneo pick you over Cloud or uh, Tifa or Eris. Name all the items that get you laid. <laughs> there you go. Name the items that get you laid. Hey, Sam, can you do me a favor and email me that list? Because, you know, Mrs. and I... Anyway, um... <laughs> You guys are so bad. I can't take you out anywhere. Still recording. <laughs> Trat. Um, so do that. Get an Amazon gift card for for twenty twenty dollars, and yeah, email that jcservant at rpgamer.com. On our next show, we will be talking about Castlevania: Harmony of Dissonance or whatever. Um, Castlevania: Aria Sorrow and Castlevania: Circle of the Moon. Um, we're also going to be talking about uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Uh, Explorers of Darkness and Time And we'll also be talking about The World Ends With You And Shin Megami Tensei Persona 3 Wow, there's some a lot of Wait, good when are you talking about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon? Yeah, to next, next, next RP Does that mean you're going to guilt me in adjoining next ones too? You know, you'd have to ask Yeah, Mike, he's in charge of the whole Guilting, or guilting I know or guilting, He's yeah. the one that got me on this week 
Yeah, that, that's why we pay him the big bucks. What, what, did, what did you get this week, Mike? He gets to buy the Amazon gift cards for the winners. <laughs> yeah, he gets to buy. And Mike's going to be talking about, what's the name of that game, Mike? New Jersey? Mike, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, what, what he just said. To our audience, we thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. So write your questions and comments on our boards at rpgamer.com or email jcservant, that's J-C-S-E-R-V as in Victor, A-N-T, at rpgamer.com. Help shape our future shows. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer. Check out our previous podcast, RPG News, Impressions, Reviews, Articles, and our other fabulous show, RPG Cast, as well as the best gaming community on the net, all at rpgamer.com. Mike, do you have anything to say for us before we sign off? And so, as the cloud fades <laughs> in the distance, the live stream moves along in its unhurried way, the Chocobo racers do their thing endlessly, Midgar remains a dark pit, and weapons sink back into the planet's crust, we take our leave. But we know that many of us will return to this living world one day, and until then, good night and good luck.